0: Welcome, everybody, to the Kaiju Transmissions podcast. It's been a minute. I am your host. My name is Kyle Bird, and uh, with me is my co-host. Hey
1: everybody, Matt, great to be here on this blissful March evening
0: <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> I don't know what are you. I don't know what you're talking about, but I don't either. Yeah, it's March again already. Um, I feel like it's just, it was March of 2020 and it just stayed that way. Um, Anyhow, uh, we're joined by some friends. Um, We have a returning uh, voice that you've heard many, many times. We have Kevin, who (laughs) you know from the Mazer Patrol podcast and... Book uh, Kaiju for Hipsters. How you doing, Kevin? Uh,
2: they 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 let me out of the cage to come up and podcast every every couple months.
0: Yeah, and um, we have a we have a subject very near and dear to your heart today. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, we're yeah, exactly <laughs> we're joined again by uh, we have a re- uh, a returning guest. We have Justin Mullis who. Um, people may know from uh what well, I guess your biggest presence is the man creates dinosaurs blog probably right
3: uh yeah though i mean i've I've recently started updating it again um I kind of took like a year off from it but yeah i've got I've got my blog man creates dinosaurs and then uh as far as podcasts I'm also the the resident like Monster movie reviewer for uh, the Film Find, so they have me on every time they need to review a kaiju movie or something related to that.
0: Yeah, and uh, and Kevin digs you out of of wherever you lurk on a day on a normal everyday uh, basis uh, for his podcast quite a bit too.
3: Yeah,
2: well, in this I'm also, yeah. Case also because. You, uh, you, you, bird. You dragged me into this episode, and I said I can't suffer alone. Uh, and it was it was either Justin or John Lemay, and John managed to uh, to throw it on a smoke bomb and run away in time. So,
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. He he asked what we were doing, and then when we told him, he just he n- just never said anything. John uh, Lemay has
3: left the thread. <laughs> well, uh, also, also, I have to say that in this case, I feel like. I don't know, I might be slightly more qualified than John because John did write a, a book about Kong movies, but I wrote the chapter for that book that kind of relates to what we're talking about today.
1: You so. may be more qualified, but I think
3: John was smarter for ditching us.
0: So <laughs> <there's> that. <laughs> yeah, I, I, that's. We'll,
3: we'll see how this turns out, but maybe.
0: Yeah, so um, we are talking about some of the animated adventures of one King Kong, um, specifically some, some feature film versions. Um, so, uh, yeah, we're, we're gonna have to get through how, how we got here, but first I think we should mention, uh, King Kong in animation. Uh, I think the, the first version was the Rankin Bass Toei uh version the King Kong show which unlike some of these went went through uh they got the license from RKO to make a King Kong cartoon which was later turned into a movie by Toho which we all know King Kong escapes um where are you guys on the King Kong show uh i take it i most of us have watched it, or at least what's out available from it
3: yeah my my feelings are I wish more of it had survived, so
0: yeah, it's weird there's uh uh there's almost half the show that's kinda lost to time uh I know some of the lost episodes wound up on youtube um there's some that uh are on, uh, bootleg versions. I know the, there's two, the two volumes that, that Classic Media put out, um, neither of them have, like, the Mechanicong kong episode, but I know that one's been around in the bootleg circuit for years, and that one's online. There's a 2nd Mechanicong Mechani-Kong episode, though, that, um, is, is nowhere. Um, but, uh, yeah, yeah my, there's
2: there's a few more episodes that are available in australia and people were saying that the mechanic Kong episode was among them and apparently it's not so
0: boo um anyway i i i guess i i i kind of enjoy it the same way i enjoy a lot of that kind of older um more i can't even know i don't even know the word uh I guess rickety <laughs> looking anime from from that era you know it's it's yeah uh, it's it's very very like kid friendly though I mean and and a lot of the plots are just straight up insane, for example, like the mechanic Kong episode uh Doctor Who m- unleashes mechanic Kong, and everyone thinks it's King Kong, even though it's clearly not. <laughs> Like that's the kind of like logic that that you're going with, but uh, I mean, yeah, if you have kids or something, I mean, it's it's a fun ride. What do you? How where, are you guys like fans of that series?
2: I think it does uh, it does some some fun, interesting things that you know. King Kong as a franchise tends to be very limited, and I appreciate when it's oh, this episode just has aliens show up because that. Usually doesn't happen in your King Kong movies. Uh, I think this show is also historically significant, um, not because it led to King Kong Escapes, which I'm sure most people are going to use as their frame of reference, but because this was the first time that you had an American studio going to uh, Japanese animation to to basically outsource their production. And that's something that you continue to see uh, to this day. I mean, Pacific Rim the Black dropped this week, and that's another case where an American studio <laughs> is going to a Japanese studio to uh, to get their animation done, uh, for, for better or worse. Uh, and I think that it's... Uh, it set a good precedent for for rank bass also because you know if you look at their history as a company like most of their animation over time was done in japan and uh, apparently quite successfully uh, like you said it was only it was the show started in 66 so that was only um three years into the life of anime as a, as, as a medium so yeah it, it does look a little bit rough especially by today's standards but if you compare it to what else was on TV at the time, it's not too bad looking.
0: I'll tell you, I'll take it over these other Kong cartoons we're going to talk about. I, I I remember a few years ago when Matt and I did uh, like our Japanese Kong episode. I sent him the link to the Mechanicong kong epi- cartoon, and th- these are like eight minute episodes. And and I, I was like, so I was like, did you watch it? He's like, no. I'm like, okay, well. <laughs> <laughs> That's on brand. <laughs> I guess I'm gonna be on my own when I talk about <laughs> how it's adapted for the film. Um. <laughs>
2: there were there were a couple of uh, manga versions of that uh, cartoon also. So if you really wanna dig around, I think I think the Daji Kazumine uh, manga was also based on that. So.
3: There was also um, at least one, like standalone issue American comic based on the King Kong, Toei cartoon that Marvel put out in uh, 1967, and that's interesting because they drew Kong looking more or less like he does in the cartoon, but they added uh, one notable feature which has come back around with the forthcoming uh, Godzilla vs Kong movie, which is that they gave Kong a beard in the comic. <laughs> oh
2: another thing uh, to know about this is that it's the first time you have King Kong being friends with a little boy which um, is kind of a trend in all subsequent King Kong TV series
0: yeah that's that's true um, there was a lot of merchandise too like you still toys board games all that like stuff like that still pops up on eBay all the time Um, so, uh, so let's, let's kind of get to the point here, uh, so we're, we're talking about some more, um, I guess, uh, we can say, I don't know, legally dubious, (laughs) um, animated Kong projects, uh, so on the docket today, we have The Mighty Kong, um, which is a straight-to-video animated musical, remake of the original king kong um and then we have uh two straight to dvd movies that are i guess sequels to the um um, um, uh, 2000 animated kong the animated series and then we have the (laughs) yeah then we have the feature-length pilot to uh the kong king of the apes animated series uh which Netflix did in 2016 um so why all these crazy uh kong animated projects that are they're pretty under the radar um how exactly did we get here um so that's where we have Justin come in now Uh, As with any Kong legality stuff, disclaimer, it's all very convoluted and confusing. Um, I'll give kind of the too-long-don't-read version of the Kong rights. Once again, I'll refer to our uh, podcast from a few years ago where we talked about the Dino De Laurentiis Kong films uh, because that's where we did really kind of break all this down in detail. Um, So if you want to know more, go back to that um but the way the kong rights are now is universal owns the bulk of the current rights to the character um uh so um the the what was it we just talked about this <laughs> Justin it was like the story character and something else um
3: basically yeah universal owns kong um, as a, as a character, as, like, a cinematic, as a cinematic character in particular. So, yeah.
0: So, on that note, the Marion C. Cooper estate owns the bulk of the print rights to Kong. So, there's a bunch of Kong books out there, um, novels, uh, comic books, um, Kong meets Planet of the Apes, or whatever. There's uh, uh, the the King Kong sequel novel by Joe DeVito. He's got a whole bunch of Kong um, novel. He has like his own book universe of Kong and Skull Island, um, you know. And then there's some crossovers like um, Kong meets Doc Savage, Kong meets Tarzan. All that stuff's licensed through the Cooper Estate. Um, <clears throat> But then uh you do get to this strange loophole. Me and <laughs> me and Justin spent probably an absurd amount of time trying to <laughs> reading through uh, reading about this and piecing this together from different sources uh last Saturday. And I think we we both kind of landed at the same I think I feel like it's stuff that we both knew, but it had been so many years since we really dug into it that we both kinda like needed to refresh uh uh our understanding of the situation. So, why do we have all these things? Um and, and this is where things get dicey. So there is a Uh, a novelization of King Kong and a magazine uh, version of King Kong, the original story. And these are kind of where we get to this weird loophole where some of these productions are made. Um, And uh, before I go into my next point, I'm going to pass the mic to Justin to really tell us how we got here like i'm so we're looking at these kong animated things uh most of which are terrible and we're like okay how did we get here so so justin tell us about this this uh i guess it's the uh the stuff was published in 1932 uh so so just give us a little rundown of of what happened there
3: sure so <clears throat> yeah so if you uh so, if anybody has uh, John Lemay's book *Kong Unmade*, I have a chapter in that book um, on on the history of Kong in in print media. Uh, and this was a project that I I started back in 2017, um, and it's gone through a, a couple of iterations now. A uh, Version of it was published on Kevin's blog, and then my own blog, and then uh, and then John's book. Um, be, uh, and because what this initially was, was that I was, I was rereading the uh, 1932 novelization of the film. And uh, I, I was going to make a list of all the differences between the novelization and the movie. And when I started digging into the novelization, though, um, what I discovered is that there's not actually, like, one prose adaptation of the 1933 King Kong. There's a bunch so, so what happened was this, um, <clears throat> so when Marion C. Cooper back in the early thirties, and like, this would have been around, um, like 30, 31, uh, actually, yeah, like late 31, uh, was, you know, coming up with this idea at, at RKO for what at the time was his, you know, killer gorilla movie. Um, he needed somebody who was actually going to come up with the story, right? He was going to write the thing, um. And so he landed on the idea of hiring uh, this guy, Edgar Wallace, who was a best-selling mystery writer at the time. He was, he was very well known and he was well regarded. His name carried um, a lot of weight uh, at, at the time. The public would have recognized it. And so Wallace uh, signed an agreement with Cooper that he would develop his, his project. Um, Wallace wrote one draft of the screenplay and then died. Um, from pneumonia uh, and diabetes. So, And Cooper apparently hated the one draft that he wrote, and he threw it out and just started over from scratch. However, because Wallace had signed these contracts prior to his, his death, um, Cooper decided that he was still going to exploit Wallace's name, right? Um, because, you know, as I, as I point out to people, um, Robert Armstrong's character of Carl Denham... As sleazy as he is, is in many ways just a stand-in for Marion C. Cooper. Um, so, you know, yeah, so Cooper decides he's going to exploit Wallace's Wallace's name, and that's why you see Edgar Wallace's name on the opening credits of the 1933 film, and his name is also on this 1932 novelization, um, which, despite his name being there, uh, Wallace obviously did not write. Um, it was written by this guy Delos W. Loveless, who was uh, an old friend of, of Marion C. Cooper's, a really good friend. They were college roommates. They'd worked together as journalists at the Minneapolis Daily News in 1916. Um, Cooper was uh, Lovelace's uh, daughter's um, godfather, right? So they were very close. And so when Wallace died, Cooper hired Lovelace to write a novelization for the film, Um and he was he was paid six hundred dollars for it at the time, and uh, signed a contract, you know, that he would receive royalties up to like fifteen hundred dollars that would all go to him, and then after that, once they hit that number, everything else would be split between uh, Loveless and and Cooper. And Loveless lived a, a good long life. He died in nineteen sixty seven. He wrote a bunch of notable books um, on politics and and religion and all kinds of things. He was sort of a jack. Of all trades, and he's a he's a good writer. The Kong novelization, if if people haven't read it, um, and it is still in print. It's one of the few movie novelizations to have stayed in print over the years. Um, is very good in a, a sort of pulpy way. It's a it's a good kind of you know uh, adaptation, and you know, it was one of the first film adaptations uh, to ever come out. And unlike most film adaptations today, that usually come out either right around the time of the release of the film or actually even sometimes after the film is released, this one came out in December of 1932, so well in advance of of King Kong's release. And Cooper did this for two reasons. One is that, you know, um, he wanted to try to to give Kong some sort of of weight, you know, and so if you you think about the fact, I mean, Kong was, uh, you know, Film is still fairly new in the 1930s, and monster movies are a very new thing. We're only like two years out from universals like Dracula and Frankenstein, and both of those were based on books. And so Cooper is trying to give the impression that Kong has a similar sort of stature. But the other much more pragmatic reason, of course, is that this was advertising. Right, there was no television at the time, radios in its infancy. So this was the best way for Cooper to promote his film was to get a book on the shelves that people might read. Um, and he didn't just do that. And this is where it gets, I think, really crazy, um, because yeah, he, there's a, he has this novelization, but he also then goes to Mystery Magazine, which is the magazine that um, Edgar Wallace wrote. Uh, for the most a lot of his stories appeared in there and he signs a deal with them to have a a different adaptation of the king kong story appear in their february and march 1933 issue again under edgar wallace's name though again not actually written by edgar wallace because he did um and instead uh by this guy walter f uh um but again, that isn't even the only version of this, because Cooper also uh, signed deals to have an adaptation of the King Kong story appear in the April uh, April 1933 edition of the London Daily Herald, which ended up running for 37 installments um, and was uh, written by uh, crime fiction novelist Kingsley Long, and then... He also uh, signs the deal to have a different version of it appear in the October 1933 issue of Cinema Weekly uh, magazine, again credited to Edgar Wallace, but actually written by a guy named Dracott Montague Dell. Um, and that same version was also published uh, simultaneously in a UK boys magazine that was just called Boys Magazine magazine. Um, and it, that version you can also find because it was reprinted in 1988 in a book called uh, Movie Monsters. And uh, most of these you can actually find. They've been reprinted at some point in a book or a collection. The only one that's a little obscure really is the uh, London Daily Herald one. So there's a lot of different prose versions of King Kong that are in circulation between 1932 and 1933, and evidently, um, for whatever reason, neither Marion C. Cooper or RKO uh, at any th- at any point apparently seemed to feel that it was important to uh, stay on top of the copyright for these. So we know for sure, uh, based on the legal documentation, that. Uh, Kyle dug up and and me and him looked over again just recently and from some other sources that the 1932 Dallas W. Lovelace novelization is now in the public domain, has been for a very long time, um, and the Mystery Magazine version uh, that was written by Gear is also absolutely in the public domain. And it seems like um, the same is probably true for all of these other versions as well, um, that they're also circulating uh, now in the public domain. And so, what that means is that King Kong is effectively a public domain property. Anybody can uh, write a King Kong story or make a King Kong cartoon or, in theory, make a King Kong movie without having to pay money to uh, either the Marion C. Cooper estate. Or Universal Pictures. Now that does not mean that just anybody can reprint the Dallas W. Loveless uh, King Kong novel uh, like you know publishers can with other public domain literary works like Dracula or Frankenstein or Poe or Lovecraft or HG Wells um, because the the Cooper Estate does still hold printing rights to the Loveless novelization so if you want to print an edition of the novel you have to go through them. But um, the contents of the novel are free game, right? So that's Kong, that's Skull Island, that's, you know, um, Carl Denham and Jack Driscoll and, uh, you know, Anne uh, and all of the other, Andero, all of the other characters, right, are, are essentially in the, in the public domain. And the, the novelization, I should also just, you know, point out... Uh, because it was based on a very early version of Ruth Rose's screenplay for uh, for the film, contains a lot of additional information that was not that did not make it in the 1933 film. Most notably, the infamous spider pit sequence is in the novelization, and there are some also there are also some other elements as well that probably as we talk about these animated films, I'll point out at certain points because it is interesting. Uh, that these these animated films which are using the public domain status of the novelization uh, and these other prose adaptations as their justification for existing um, do pull specific elements from the novels uh, or the novel and the, the other prose versions that don't appear in the 33 film that otherwise might seem kind of odd creative choices but that's, that's basically in, in a nutshell about you know why this why these animated films can exist, right? And, and, you know, this other wrinkle in the increasingly weird and sort of complicated world of Kong (laughs) legality. So, yeah.
0: So, for those of us whose brains are uh, still... Melted. (laughs) (laughs) ...that have not melted yet, um, thank you for that detailed rundown. Um, So, just just to kind of piggyback on that, for just a brief moment... um, so so yes, basically the, this has created this kind of backdoor avenue where um, uh, a movie we're going to be talking about, um, well, not on this episode, but another one we're recording tonight, Konga TNT, the 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 Charlton comic book Konga. Is in the public domain, so they have a uh, you know they've 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 been very adamant and pro- probably to cover their ass of saying based on the public domain Charlton comic book. So, if you piggyback off of the public domain status of these publications, you can you can make a Kong uh, thing now. We, we see that with there's a novel Kong Reborn which is a sequel to to well I guess the novelization um there's these animated versions um so i i could someone make a Kong movie utilizing that they probably could but i would say it's probably going to be risky once you get into the world of big budget hollywood um and big money, and things like that, um, and, uh, I think a lot of, you know, I, I think a lot of people might, might be doing that if, if it was that easy, um, but it would be very risky, which is why I would think no one, no one does, um, and uh and and i know and from when i was there's like nothing about like the making of any of these animated things that i could find online the closest i got was when uh kong the animated series came out um so i was on the kong is king fan site which hasn't been updated since i think 2008 um, the message boards seem semi-active, um, but I was looking for information on there, and the webmaster I found out on the forums he had been trying to, you know, interview or uh, uh, the people behind the Kong animated series, and you know he was he he really wasn't able to get very far, and especially when it came down to um, the topic of licensing, they pretty much just danced around the subject. You know, they kind of just shut that topic down. Probably because they figured if if they said the wrong thing, they stumbled with their words, whatever, technically Universal probably could come and do something. So, um... I I think it it's it's something that only the boldest people may try just because the that loophole to get things like this done it's there but it's pretty narrow. Um so in theory yeah, I, I, someone might be able to do it but it's probably more trouble than than it's worth. Um and uh as for why universal might not pursue these things more aggressively, uh you know, me and Justin were talking the other day and it's like I mean they have it's obvious they don't really consider Kong to be one of their like watershed properties you know um you know they have Jurassic Park they have fast and the Furious there's not really you know the they're they'll be fine um so so really quickly to kind of dispel another thing that I see everywhere um uh and um me me and Kevin were talking about this a couple weeks ago um there's a lot of repeated information that I I, I am very question. I question a lot. Um, so Universal got the rights to Kong in 1980, um, and indeed Dino De Laurentiis made King Kong Lives without their real involvement, but he did have to pay a licensing fee to make that movie. Um, the same case, believe it or not, uh, is what's going on with Legendary and Skull Island. Skull Island actually originated at Universal Studios. Thomas Tull, being, you know, big baller that he is, um, when they decided they weren't interested because they didn't want to cross-pollinate with the Universal property, he negotiated to, hey, I'm going to wrestle the rights f- to, to get this into the MonsterVerse, and um, which I, I see all the time as people saying that, you know, it's because Kong's public domain, which there's a little bit of truth to that with the novelization stuff, but indeed, uh, King Kong did have to go through the same processes to get an, the actual licensing to make the, the legendary pictures films. Now, what comes with that is um, I'm seeing... People say it's called Kong Skull Island and not King Kong Skull Island because you can make anything and call it Kong, but you can't say King Kong, which in terms, in relation to Skull Island, that's absolute nonsense because in other countries the movie is called King Kong, it's merchandised as King Kong, the Funko Pop I have in my living room comes in a box that says King Kong, um... So, that's not true. Now, even I thought there might have been a little bit of truth to that with these other projects. The Mighty Kong, Kong animated series, um, Kong King of the Apes. But in preparing for this podcast, I noticed that their press materials all say King Kong. You know, their... uh e- even you know from the mighty kong uh, on its vhs box to press releases about the other cartoons and then um i think i i think it was again me when me and kevin were talking we looked at bkn's website they're the studio that did two of these animated productions they have a whole section for kong on their website and guess what the the title is is king kong so this is basically a long way of saying that I really don't think the naming convention of you can say Kong versus King Kong, I don't think there's any, any uh, truth to that. I think you can call it Kong, King Kong, whatever you want. If you're bold enough to piggyback off the public domain status of this literature, or if you pay Universal a license, either way, you can call it either one. That's kind of the conclusion that I came to on the naming thing. And sure enough, I, I mean, me and Justin spent a good amount of our Saturday looking over the actual court documentation, the verdicts made. There's nothing about you can say Kong and not King Kong. Um, I, and I think some of that confusion probably originates from the Donkey Kong lawsuit where Universal tried to sue Nintendo um, for the because of Donkey Kong and, and the verdict was that they had no legal grounds, um, but yeah, I I was not able to find anything on that. Um, <clears throat> Kevin, you remember when we talked about that?
2: Yeah, I mean that's that's exactly what I came to the same conclusion is that people were misunderstanding what went down in the in the Donkey Kong lawsuit. <clears throat> yeah, which yeah, is a great story. The-
3: I was going to say, looking at those legal documents this past weekend, um, specifically the ones pertaining to the Donkey Kong lawsuit, I mean, my understanding from reading those and, you know, again, disclaimer, none of us are lawyers.
0: No. (laughs) Um, But... We're gonna get an email from a lawyer that's like, "You got all this yeah. stuff completely wrong." <laughs> no, I go ahead. I would love to talk to. A,
3: I would love to talk to a copyright and like, I'd love to talk to an IP lawyer about this. I mean, I think that I think that there needs to be there needs to be somebody out there who's an IP lawyer who's also a Kong fan who's willing to write a book about this. Yeah, it's really I'd, fa- I'd like,
0: be willing to. You yeah. think about you know, for Dracula and Frankenstein and Sherlock Holmes and as public domain property and then you think of like you know Batman, Spider-Man as licensed properties and like every everything seems so everyone else seems so cut and dry. Then when you come to King Kong, it's this convoluted mess.
3: <laughs> yeah, and, and what I was going to say was with the Donkey Kong thing. So my understanding is that part of this and this might this might play play into the naming convention thing that you're talking about Kyle a, a little bit, which I'm I'm not disagreeing with you. I think you're absolutely Hundred percent right. That there is that this you know you hear people say you know well if you can say Kong but you can't say King Kong well that's nonsense. But what it is is that um, you know the the courts in the Donkey Kong case ruled that um, that Universal had a right to enforce uh, a trademark on King Kong, and trademark is not the same thing as copyright. Copyright is implying ownership. To a particular author of a of a work, right? Um, whereas trademark is about branding, and so the idea here is that if universal is that universal was trying to argue that you know Nintendo by putting out a game called Donkey Kong was attempting to piggyback off of their ownership of the king of King Kong as a brand and essentially like make money off of them by like confusing the public and and the courts ruled that they didn't you know that was clearly not the case here and so I think that that probably plays into this as well because if you look at something like the movie that we're going to be talking about like one of them uh, like Kong King of Atlantis for example I mean there's no question that movie came out when it did to capitalize off of the Peter Jackson King Kong in 2005 But I think what helped BKN fly under the radar with that besides the public domain argument was the fact that they don't call it – the title of it is not King Kong of Atlantis, right? whereas Jackson's movie was called King Kong. So I think they they possibly did that as an additional kind of safety precaution because then Universal couldn't even come after them and be like, hey, you're trying to make uh, money by – Confusing the public into thinking that your, you know, uh, terrible cartoon here is is part of our is part of our franchise. Now it does, I don't think that explains it in every attempt because or every instance because, like you said, I mean, clearly Kong Skull Island has nothing to do with that because you know they legendary straight up paid yeah. Universal <laughs> they were in on it. I think that was just a uh, I think that was just you know probably a. a creative choice but a lot of these
0: other instances yeah yeah no i i I think your theory there is absolutely right and that they probably just did it to like you know just kind of keep eyes off of them a little bit but what you said is like that kind of makes it even more confusing because now you have multiple properties that just say kong some of which are legit and some of which aren't and that just adds like a whole other layer of confusion to everything. So, I this is this really is like just I can't think of a, a an IP that is as complicated as this one. Like I know between me and you and you know me and Kevin, we we've talked about this stuff over the last week or so to a degree that I think we all kind of understand what we are talking about and what we mean, but I have, and and I think we've done an okay job of, of kind of making this, uh, easy to, to go down for the listeners, but, like, is the, is the outsider guy who hasn't, like, read a whole lot about this stuff? I have to ask, Matt, are you, are, like, uh, how, how, are you able to follow any of this? (laughs)
1: Well, you guys have done a marvelous job breaking it down. and It's wild to think that there's so many different publications with it and the rights are held by different places and now there's essentially loopholes where people can go and just make, if they're willing to take the risk, of course, whatever they want. And I I mean, I'm with you, Bert. I don't know of any other property that's this absurd. And yet there's still, you know, stuff still getting made with the character. That's kind of the crazy thing. You think about like, I mean, I think of something like Friday the Thirteenth, which I know the different situation, but like that stuff can be tied up in courts for so long, and people fight over rights. Whereas this, people just keep making the product for various reasons, and it's yeah, the, uh, right, it's fascinating, yeah. honestly.
0: No, I, this is it, like this is all unheard of to me. I, um, so oof, okay, hey, I, actually I, have I a think question. for the How for many... the two um the two. BKN movies.
2: There's also, you know, because they could tie into the animated series, which was called Kong. It made sense for branding purposes for them to to just call that Kong instead of King Kong.
0: Yeah, um, and, and Kong f- from what I understand, uh, and Kevin might be able to tell me if I'm remembering something wrong. Uh, BKN, the, we are. Uh, I'm I'm putting out a, a an alert right now. From what I understand, they are threatening us with a a, a third Kong animated series. Oh God! <laughs>
2: yes, uh, that's that's Wikipedia lists uh, it as uh, as twenty twenty two. So we'll see what happens on on that front.
0: Uh, well, we do know that we actually have a legitimate. Kong animated series coming to Netflix, which is, I guess, that's kind of going to be where this whole MonsterVerse thing continues with that Skull Island uh, series, which I'm looking forward to, and hopefully that'll wash the taste uh, out of our mouths from all this junk. <laughs> um, so, so,
2: really quickly, the uh, the, the Chipmunks special, that was King Kong, though, right? That was not just Kong.
3: Um, so, the, well, uh, the, uh, you know that's a good uh, question because I think it was, I think you're right because yeah, there's an episode of Alvin and the Chipmunks go to the movies, which, um, for people who who may not know, was an animated series in the early 1990s where uh, basically the Chipmunks did like a almost almost hour. I think each of those episodes was almost an hour if I remember right. Um, you know, kind of spoof. I guess of, uh, of different, um, different famous films. Uh, and they did one that was, was for King Kong. Um, and, uh, and yeah, I'm trying to remember if. And, and that one is also interesting, honestly, to go look at it because, you know, I say spoof, but um, no, okay, that episode was just called Kong with an exclamation point.
0: Oh, okay. The Elven yeah. and the Chipmunks so. wiki says it's based on the seventy six version.
3: Yeah, well it's it's weird because I've seen that and I mean the most recent time I watched it was back in back in like two thousand seventeen. But it's it's weird because it's a weird kind of mixture of different elements because there's um there's definitely stuff in there from like the seventy six film, like uh God, I'm not enough of a chipmunk's person to know all. Um, whatever but they, whatever they the made the
0: female chipmunks uh, uh, an aspiring uh porn star like like Dwan, right? Yeah,
3: yeah, essentially essentially <laughs> right. Yeah, whatever the main Yeah, whoever the main female <laughs> chipmunk is is basically like a Dwan kind of character. Um, but then Alvin is very much like a Carl Denham character. You know, he's, he's there to be a filmmaker, right? He's not an oil tycoon. And uh, the weirdest thing that I remember is that uh, Simon, or not Simon, uh, Theodore, the, the chubby one, Theodore uh is playing uh this this like Tarzan like character called Kiki who's friends with Kong, which seems to be more like the mighty Peking man than anything actually <laughs> Kong related. So it's <laughs> it's very weird. So yeah.
0: <sighs> okay. So that, that concludes uh what is the first of uh Um, what's going to be a regular segment where we talk about Elvin and the Chipmunks. Um, (laughs) (laughs) all right. So, uh, after, after. Elvin and the
3: Chipmunks transmission
0: podcast. (laughs) Um, (laughs) all right. So I guess we can, we can get on with, uh, the films. Uh, so the first one is, um, the Mighty Kong and, uh, you know another thing about how we were talking about, like yeah, it's it probably just takes like a, a one or two people that just have big enough balls to to really kind of go through these this narrow little loophole to get a Kong thing made through this backdoor avenue. Um, uh, oddly enough, and I thank Kevin for bringing this to my attention, these three productions uh, is also have these. Uh, as far as producers and in, in things go, uh, are actually pretty incestuous. The Mighty Kong um, shares uh, Dennis DeValance. Uh, uh, he's a producer who also directed a crap ton of Queen music videos, <laughs> if IMDb is to be uh, believed. But he uh, was also a producer on Kong the Animated Series, And Kong the Animated Series carries over other producers and and, uh, screenwriters into Kong King of the Apes. So, between, like, three or four people, uh, I mean, if if that little group of people, uh, like... It's, it's, it's just, to me, it's no coincidence that the three of these all have ties together, and this is like the only attempt, th- these are the only attempts you really see out, outside of publishing to take advantage of these loopholes. So, just something to keep in mind. Um, so, The Mighty Kong is, uh, is directed by Art Scott and written by William J. Keenan, who also um, was. Uh, um, uh, is credited as uh being the writer of the um American uh screenplay, the American adaptation script for King Kong Escapes. So uh he's he's uh back doing Kong stuff um all these years later. He was also a producer on the King Kong show. So Uh, that's a tie to a previous Kong iteration. Um, anyway, this features, uh, uh, Dudley Moore is the voice of, uh, Denim. Um, and I did not stutter. I, (laughs) I meant, uh, Dudley Moore is the (laughs) famous Dudley Moore. Um, and, uh, this is actually his final role, um, you have uh Jodie Benson i think uh who is most famous as the voice of ariel in any disney thing that ariel shows up in uh also the voice of barbie in toy story and um you have songs uh written by um Uh, It's some brothers. What are these guys? What's what's the Sherman brothers? The Sher. Yes. Um, So these are uh, these guys are songwriters that are uh, Richard and and Robert Sherman did the songs. This is a musical. Um, They did. uh, They wrote the songs for Mary Poppins and Chitty Chitty Bang Bang and um, all kinds of of famous um, musical credits, um, so, you have what's honestly a pretty amazing pool of talent here, uh, and then, you, you know, you might see that at the video store and be like, oh, wow, all these guys doing a, uh, King Kong animated, uh, remake for kids, like, this, wow, like, that's amazing, Um, And then you're going to watch it and be like, what the hell happened? Um, (laughs) So we'll talk about The (laughs) Mighty Kong. Uh, I I mean, this is pretty much a straight adaptation of the classic King Kong story. Um, So uh, I guess instead of doing our normal plot synopsis, I mean, everyone listening to this should know the story of King Kong. So I, I guess instead of doing that I'm going to ask uh Justin to kind of just lay out some of the main differences um between The Mighty Kong and the 33 version and the no- and what how it relates to the novel. And then we we'll, you know we'll we'll kind of get into like a little review part here. Um so Justin uh tell us a little bit about I guess um how The Mighty Kong compares to the novelization to the thirty-three
3: movie. Um, well, so one of the interesting things is, like you already noted, so Dudley Moore is doing uh, the voice of Denim. and this this is one of the interesting uh, interesting sort of quirks that I've seen some people again uh, make a, a, a bigger deal out of. Uh, kind, but I think it's probably a, a similar case to what we already explained about whether it's Kong or King Kong, but in the novelization. Um Carl Denim is just denim. He's he's never called Carl Denim. He has no first name, apparently. Or maybe Denim is his first name, but that's just that's the only thing he's referred to. And that's something that you see in in both the Mighty Kong and uh some of these other properties, right? If they have a denim character, um, he's just called denim. Uh there are some other things that actually I was gonna ask you guys about i was as i was trying to remember um because uh uh did they i don't did they ever say the name of the ship in this movie
0: Uh, i don't remember kevin (laughs) yeah you uh, you like this more than everyone else in the world do they say the name of the ship
2: uh i i think I think it was The Venture, but I'm not I'm not 100% on that. I would okay. have to go back and double check.
3: Cuz yeah, so I was cause, yeah, I was I was trying to remember um because yeah, so one of the other interesting things is yeah, so as a lot of people know in the 1933 film, the ship that they go to Skull Island on and then bring Kong back to New York with is called The Venture, whereas in the novelization by Loveless, it's called The Wanderer. Um which is is not a fact that is usually brought up in anything other than um in what I thought was was one of the coolest and nerdiest Easter eggs is that Jordan uh, Roberts threw that into Kong Skull Island because when they they're in the uh, Skull Islander village at the one part in that movie, there's this old wrecked uh, you know, steamship that the natives have converted into this shrine for kong and you know they don't draw attention to it but if you look the ship is called the wanderer and um and Robert Va- roberts has said that he did that deliberately to suggest that there was some version of the 33 film that was canonical with uh the monster verse right it might not be the version of that story that we all know um but yeah that it's uh you know there is something there but to get back to the mighty kong um you know so one of the things about this movie i mean this is kind of getting more into the review thing but i'll go ahead and bring this up one of the things about this movie that that sucks is that um it sort of anticipates peter jackson's movie and that it takes us forever to get to skull island
0: yeah if for um, something that's barely over an hour it really does right
3: Right, it's, an, it's like an hour and 11 minutes, and you're 45 minutes in before they wind up on Skull Island. And then another weird similarity with, uh, with the Jackson film is that uh, once you have all of the stuff with Kong abducting Anne out of the way, and the, the Denim and his men get behind the wall, the first uh, dinosaur that they run into in the Mighty Kong is a Triceratops. And that's also the same thing in the Peter Jackson movie if you watch weirdly, if you watch the director's cut. That wasn't in the theatrical version, but in the like three-hour director's cut, the first dinosaur they run into is a big Triceratops-type creature. And that's interesting because um, one of the scenes that's in the Loveless novelization that did not make it into the 33 theatrical film is this sequence where Kong fights off a group of triceratopses, um, so like three of them, and uh, so that that's interesting that they they pulled that out of there. Um, there's some, uh, oh, what is it? There's also some stuff. I think going back to the crew of of the the venture or the ship, there's an interesting thing where yeah. So in the Mighty Kong. Um, they have this character of Jimmy, who, again, is also in the Peter Jackson movie, and that's because Jimmy, uh, is in the novelization. Um, he's in the movie called, for, like,
0: two seconds. Denham tells him to, like, grab the, he goes, like, Jimmy, grab the bombs or something.
3: Right, yeah, and he's, yeah, he's the one, yeah, yeah, in the novelization, he's the one who, who carries the gas bombs that Denim has, like, smuggled uh, aboard the ship, right? Um... So that's uh, which in the uh, in the original thirty three film is the reason why yeah like Denham wants to ship out as soon as possible because he doesn't want like the uh, you know the ship getting like looked over by like the um, the I can't remember what the term would be the Coast Guard or whoever the portmaster because they he doesn't want them to know that he's got these these gas bombs that he shouldn't have uh, I guess as a civilian. Onboard, uh, on board his ship. But yeah, in the in the novelization, you have these two other members of the ship's crew who we get to know, which is Jimmy and uh, and Lumpy, uh, who are both in the Peter Jackson film. And, but Jimmy is in the Mighty Kong here, and he has a pet monkey named Chip, which is interesting because in the novelization, Lumpy has a pet monkey uh, named Ignatz. So. Um, a weird little detail there and then the only other thing that immediately springs to my mind um, about this film is that uh, so so we don't get uh, we don't get a, a the rex fight with Kong which is lame um, but what we do get is that when they get to when Kong gets and back to his lair um, he gets attacked simultaneously by pterodactyls and a giant snake. And the snake thing is really interesting because that shows up almost without fail in every adaptation of the novelization, whether it's a comic book or a cartoon or the Broadway musical or even the Dino De Laurentiis film. And it's it's this weird point because in the novelization technically kong does not get attacked by a snake in in his his lair he gets attacked by some kind of creature which loveless only describes as being serpentine which that term would suggest a snake but what makes it weird is that if you see the 1933 film it's not a snake it's an elasmosaur that attacks him albeit a a rather snake-like one but because Lovelace didn't specify um what kind of prehistoric animal this was he just said that it was something serpentine that's resulted in this this interesting thing where in all of these different interpretations um oh and, and including looking at my notes uh, including the alvin and the chipmunks episode kong at some point fights a giant snake so and that's just become like you know this this weird almost semi-canonical thing so yeah uh, those are that's everything kyle that that springs to my mind okay um that's that's different
0: so yeah is there a t-rex in this at all
3: yeah is there i was trying to remember if there was a T Rex. he doesn't fight kong does he
2: uh briefly I've got a screen cap of it on my review on the blog.
0: <laughs> so you didn't make nope. it up.
1: <laughs> okay. I, I think it says a lot that none of us can
0: remember what should be one of the Even most the guy movies that uh even <laughs> the guy even the guy that likes this movie doesn't remember. <laughs> it it bodes well for the rest of us, I think, for the review. <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah, I I actually have had seen this before because uh this was released in nineteen ninety eight um, so uh you know Godzilla came out in nineteen ninety eight mighty Joe young came out in nineteen ninety eight and this was very much made as a, you know, a cash grab attempt to piggyback off of those, uh, unfortunately, I don't think that the makers of this, uh, realized that both of those, uh, would, would not be, uh, Mighty, Mighty Joe Young bombed and nobody liked Godzilla, so, you know, they were coming into a doomed market, uh, already, but, um, technically, uh, it does mean that, uh, Kong sort of had a shot in 98, um, so I, I bought the VHS tape in 1998, uh, at, like, a Sam Goody or whatever, remember those, um, and I was like, oh, I, I, I didn't know this was out, or this was a thing, like, I hadn't read anything about it, I had no idea it existed, I just saw it at the store, um, and, uh, even in 98, that would have put me at, uh, 13 years old, I was like, this is not good, uh, and I only watched it once, I think I might have attempted to watch it again at some point in my life, and not watched the, not even watched the whole thing, um, so this is my second time actually watching it, uh, and my impression <laughs> really wasn't that different, um, the animation is, it looks, it, it looks very cheap, um, the i mean the voice acting is is pretty good i mean you got uh, dudley moore jody Men- benson i mean you probably couldn't have gotten you know two better people as as the leads in any animated movie and i mean they they're pros but um the rest of it just uh doesn't do much for me um kong's rampage is is extremely i guess uh sanitized you know instead of really causing any havoc he just kind of walks down the street and kind of mildly inconveniences people like there's for there's like one of those bums with like the 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 end is near signs and like for whatever reason he hangs him on a on a street light and just like leaves him there it's like what are you doing um there's a part where he uh he golfs with a street light like he rips it out of the ground and and I don't even remember what I he I did
1: la- I did laugh at that actually.
0: He golfs doesn't it hit a guy? <laughs> yes. It hits a guy coming out of a sewer or something. It's an it's very it's really strange. Um and then of course I think the, probably the, among the people that are aware of this version, you know, the the most famous change is that Kong uh is, you know, he, he falls off the Empire State Building, Denim is like, Beauty killed the, be-, you know, you know the you know the, the, the spiel. Uh, and then they're like, oh, wait, he's still alive. And then it ends. It's like, what? Um, but they do mention, bu- before he falls off the, the, the Empire State Building, they're like, well, if we can save him, we'll set him up in his own resort, or like his own uh, uh, wildlife you know preservation place uh, so i'm assuming that's what happens with them um the songs i mean I the sh- this is where like the talent was 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 ch- must have been checked out cuz the sherman brothers songs in this are not good um and the sequences that accompany them are not good like there's like weird seal animated seals in like CG water and like it, it stuff like that it's all very strange um i i think there's even like parts where like they're superimposed over like just s- photographs <laughs> um and uh yeah it just is i i i'm not a, a a big fan of this uh i i the the natives in this ooh um, the I think what, famously, the, one of the most problematic elements of, of most ver- versions, probably, there's a little bit of it in every version of Skull Island, is the natives. Um. Uh, I think, uh, the MonsterVerse film, Skull Island, I think, did a really smart thing by making them kind of, like, these pacifistic, almost, like, utopian, uh, Tribes, but this is this might be the most racist version of of Skull Island natives. Um, Everything from their uh, their their attire, which is I don't know that I've seen any actual tribes dress like this. Uh, Like they look like Crash Bandicoot characters, (laughs) practically, Um, and and the voice acting for them is is very like offensive like they're like they're just like ooga booga <laughs> like i they might as well have like giant bones sticking out of their septums and like you know big you know cartoon lips or something it, it, it was it was it was it's uh not a flattering uh depiction by any means um
3: they reminded me of um of of weirdly enough if we talk about weird animated adaptations of things um, I don't know if anybody here remembers the uh, Jumanji cartoon, right? From, right, right. Around the, around the same time, and yeah, they, uh, you know, uh, for for people who who don't know, there was a cartoon from the people who made like the Rugrats and the Wild Thornberries of Jumanji. Um, that was uh, where the, the it was based off of the original film with Robin Williams, and the difference was that rather than stuff coming out of the game. And attacking uh, these kids it was, uh, in kind of an anticipation of the more recent movies. The kids went into the game and had to deal with you know wild animals and, and all kinds of craziness. But they they had this race of you know natives that lived in the world of Jumanji, and they were just like the natives in this, where like, yeah, they didn't speak any actual language. It was all very yeah. <laughs> Like Ooga Booga, you <laughs> yeah. know, clicks and spits and stuff, and then uh they they had like these, you know, kind of African uh masks, uh you know, generic African masks for faces. So yeah, it was very weird, but that's what that reminded <laughs> me of.
0: Um so yeah, I don't. I I I myself don't have much more to say about it. I I mean, at a little over an hour. I mean, there's some parts that I get chuckles from, like. Uh, but it, it's it's nothing that I you know I'll, I'll easily probably never watch this again. Um, so uh, I don't know if I want to uh, uh, let Matt go next or. Here, why Justin? Let's end on a or, 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 let's end on a good note.
1: And let like Kevin. Okay, you want we'll let Kevin
0: wrap so he can so some nice things can be said. Okay, uh, <laughs> Justin, I know you. I know that uh, you were a late addition to this episode, and we uh, were we were we were nice enough to not require you to rewatch anything. Uh, I mean from your memory of this which it sounds like is just as shoddy as anyone else's um, from your memory of this do you have any any impressions do you feel a certain way positive or negative about this
3: i really don't um you know yeah i i did as i mean i have a i have a copy of this um in front of me and i was i was looking at it and yeah kevin is is absolutely right that there's a Kong does fight a T Rex in this, so I, I retract that statement. The fight lasts all of two seconds. Um, but it does <laughs> but it happen. Exists. It does exist. Um so but uh I don't not really. I mean, this is you know, it's it's one of those it's just it's just this weird thing where it's just like, yeah, there's this there's this animated Kong musical with the voice actress from The Little Mermaid in it and it's like I don't really feel one way about it or, or another, t- to be honest. Like it's not, yeah. it's not bad. Um, I mean, it is it is bad on a certain level, but it's not anything. Whereas a Kong fan, I'm just like, oh, I'm angry that this exists. Right. Yeah. You know, I feel like this is a this is an insult to the to the character. It's just like, oh, it's just this weird animated movie that. You know, everybody except for nerds like us have forgotten even exists.
0: Yeah, so. I don't know when it No one knew it existed when it came out. Um, yeah, I mean, that's I, I, I can totally agree with that. I do want to mention one other thing is this is probably like if you think Jack Driscoll is an asshole in the first movie, like the 33 movie, like he's just for no reason, just like uh, this, this version's more sexist. <laughs> Than the 1933 one. He's a complete, just like asshole. Like I, and and I, I don't understand how why, why anyone puts up with them, especially Anne. Anyway, um Matt, I'll I'll let you say a little bit about this uh before we can let Kevin. I guess I don't know. Say why he thinks it's a three star movie.
1: so we watched eight or nine movies in preparation for our our double kong episode thing that we're doing now This, this was by far my least favorite and you spend you know as we talked about earlier 45 minutes getting to the island and they cram like the last what should be two acts of the film into like 20 minutes and it feels incredibly rushed and like talking about jack and ann like the he like I think he starts making comments about women don't belong on the ship. And then suddenly within five minutes of that, there's like a song where she's professing her love for him. And like, it's a really weird (laughs) second. It's just a weird thing. Um, I found this to be an offense to the amount of time I felt I was watching the movie. It felt like two and a half hours for something that should have been really short. The songs are awful. I mean, I'm a dad. I can put up with a lot of kid shows. I struggled to get through this. It's not fun. It's not interesting. Um, it's pretty offensive in many ways. But like, I just, I, I think the thing that was probably the most troubling is like the, well, the runtime of the movie and the last like two acts are just crammed together. And you're like rushed. Like they get to the island and then you're rushing to the rescue of the cave sequence. And then you're in New York all of a sudden. And, again, I can't reiterate this enough. The songs are just not great. So I struggled to watch this movie. I think it took me a couple different sit-downs to actually get through it for something that's so short it just felt very tedious. And uh, rightfully so, most of us have forgotten this movie ever existed. And probably for anybody listening to this podcast, you should keep it that way. I don't don't recommend you check it out unless you just enjoy suffering. (laughs)
0: Okay. Okay. Uh, I feel like Kevin, Kevin, if anyone can save poor Mighty Kong, it's you.
2: <laughs> okay. Um, I mean, I, I acknowledge that this is not a fantastic movie. It's a, uh, it, it's made, uh, a whopping $1,125 at the, at the theater, uh, in the U.S. What so, theater um,
0: played this?
2: <laughs> apparently three different screens. So three screens, really? <laughs> yeah um that is
0: <laughs> but uh but yeah
2: like it's it's one of those things that i think i'm not like super hot on the movie either but i think part of it is is maybe we're coming at movies from a different perspective whereas if i don't feel strongly about something and think it's average i'll say okay that's maybe two and a half out of five as whereas you'll say zero out of five or something
0: (laughs) that's Um, a matt thing if i think something's average i usually will go into three but matt is like he's he's either hot or cold
1: (laughs) this is an abomination i I don't (laughs) see (laughs) i i don't understand how you can be that
2: passionate (laughs) (laughs) uh yeah i mean i i thought you know it's it has it has uh, glimmers of competence, and uh, there are plenty of, of parts that I enjoyed while I was watching it. I didn't, you know, I wasn't as down on the music as as it sounds like y'all are. Um, I, I mean, it might help that we watched three different musical Kong things, and I think <laughs> the music was best in this out of all of them.
0: Um, oh God! the the, the bad thing is you're right. But, like, I don't – like, for me, that's – it's not a compliment.
2: <laughs> yeah, I yeah, mean, it's all about you, – you have to kind of gauge based on on where, where you've been before. And, you know, it's um, – like, you know, I've, I've used the analogy of, like, you go to the doctor and they're like, oh, take okay, K. Like, what's what's your pain like if if zero is no pain and ten is the worst pain you can imagine – and like, okay, I can imagine a lot worse pain. So this is not that bad on that on that threshold, <laughs> perhaps.
0: Jumping ahead for a few seconds, Return to the Jungle did make me rethink how I evaluated everything and, and I watched. <laughs> so I believe that I, I after I after Return to the Jungle, for I sure think I even jump. did. I think I even did like bump my letterbox score for this up a little bit because I was like, oh my god, I've seen. I've seen things.
2: Exactly. So, like the you know, I, I thought that there were um, you know a couple of, of nice background shots in this. Um, there was nothing in it that that really jumped out and and made me made me upset viscerally. You know, there were there are a couple of things here and there where like yeah, you have the ending where Kong lives because some standards dictate that that's the way that children's movies have to work or something, but. <laughs> On the other hand, I feel like there's so many opportunities where things could be so much worse. Like, you know, Jimmy has a pet monkey. The pet monkey never talks. So points for that. Disney would have had that monkey making wisecracks all over the place. And uh, I don't want to live in that world. So,
3: (laughs) I, I don't know. Abu doesn't talk in Aladdin.
0: Yeah. Kevin's Kevin. never seen Aladdin. <laughs> that, that has Gilbert
2: Godfrey in it playing a parrot, so that's that's close.
0: <laughs> yeah, but he's aw- but Gilbert Godfrey's awesome. Come on. Um okay, I I think I think we can go ahead and uh wrap up on, on the Mighty Kong. Um uh so uh I guess how many uh Jeez. Uh how many um how many racist natives do you give this out of uh, five?
1: I'm going to go half a racist native, which I guess <laughs> is saying that it's not as racist as it actually is, but the movie itself is just, I
0: Uh, You know, I did have this at a half, and then Return to the Jungle made me reevaluate how I judge everything in life so uh i gave the so i i you know i give this um i give this a a uh a, a one
1: <laughs> one Ooga booga
0: out of five yeah i give it one Ooga booga out of five <laughs> justin if you had to rank this uh out of five Ooga boogas uh how how where would you come down
3: uh probably probably the same as uh as you kyle i i think one ooga booga is probably I can't believe we're using that as our standard
0: um, <laughs>
3: <laughs> one, one ooga
0: booga
2: out of five for this. i feel like that's yeah. the way that natives should be in king kong though there's just something traditional about that
3: um. i mean
0: yeah, I don't know. God, I'm not gonna touch that. <laughs> <laughs> they, they, they live on
2: a very <laughs> entropic island.
0: That and Kevin, uh, I guess we kind of spoiled it. You you gave this a three. Is that where you're? Are you committed to that?
2: Yeah, I'll give it a, a three. Um, a, a King Kong hair drying, uh, blowing uh, waterfall sequences.
0: Oh yeah, they decided to repeat that abominable sequence. Uh, Okay so ne- <laughs> so we have next we have two uh straight to video movies that are I guess sequels to Kong the animated series uh this is where BKN productions comes in uh I, I you know I'm imagining the the guy that uh produced the Mighty Kong got some sort of position there and was like we need more we need more shitty Kong cartoons, and then uh, that that gives us this. Um, admittedly, so this is a series that uh, was done in two thousand, um, largely to capitalize on the success of the uh, the Tristar animated Godzilla series, which is excellent. Um, and then someone was like, well, if God, if there's a successful Godzilla cartoon, maybe we can use weird, uh, backdoor, uh, legal loopholes to make a Kong one on the cheap. Uh, and, uh, so that's where we get Kong the Animated Series. um. I admittedly, this lasted 40 episodes, I admittedly have not watched the series. I did, just to kind of get a feel for the, I guess, the universe that they're playing with, I did watch the two-part pilot, so the first two episodes that kind of establishes what the hell this is. Um, And uh, so the series um, is about some students... Uh, You know what, I, I, I'm, Kevin, you've, you've sat through all this. What, just give us a very too long, don't read pitch, you know, of, of what the hell this is, and then we'll get into the movies.
2: So, it's kind of, kind of Amon's, uh. It, it, you know that that's that's what we call those series that showed up when uh, when Pokemon and Digimon were were big, and all of a sudden you got like Metabots and Monster Rancher, and all these shows where it's kid and his monster buddy. And this is this is a kid and his monster buddy show. Uh, original King Kong died. They cloned King Kong, but they used this kid's um, DNA to to make a part human Kong that basically just looks like Kong. They raise it on. Kong Island instead of Skull Island because skulls are violent, I guess. Um, <laughs> and and basically, this kid through magical technology stuff has the ability to to merge with Kong, so he can go into Kong's body and give Kong like an upgrade, or Kong can go into his body and then he can he can walk around you know a big city without drawing attention until he needs to shoot Kong out to to fight something. Um, on. Kong Island there's a demon that is sealed in the cave or something and uh there's certain artifacts that would release the demon so uh this kid's teacher i think it was uh is is going around trying to collect artifacts um
0: yeah he's he's the bad some... guy
2: yeah exactly and he has a
0: robot hand cuz when Kong and the kid were kids by the way, they like they like the they, the the one kid calls Kong like his brother and he calls him bro all the time and it's uh yeah, it's every bit as pleasant to your ears as you would think, but uh and like I I don't even remember like he broke into their lab and his hand melted <laughs> in some acid or something. So he has a robot hand. <laughs>
2: Yeah, so so you know it's it's kind of like a a, a globe trotting thing where uh you know this guy also has some some technology stuff so he his goons can merge with any animal that happens to be around to create a create a monster of the week or there might just other be endemic monsters for Kong to fight in different places uh you know like the the Loch Ness monster we talked about in our in our Nessie panel for an example. Um so they're going around the globe collecting these relics um a lot of them have to do with the long dead uh society of atlantis which kind of ties into this movie but also really but also not. <laughs> uh, yeah completely contradicts it in many ways
0: um uh, and and yeah uh, i guess i guess there's what the one uh island girl that like there's a jungle girl um, and then the the kid has his like outdated even by two thousand standards like surfer dude friend who who I learned from the movie is a million a billionaire.
2: Why yeah, why is
0: he a billionaire? He's,
2: he's, I I guess that explains why they have like limitless technology and are able to just <laughs> like wander around the globe.
0: Yeah, and and did we mention that the 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 guy the main guy merges with Kong to like. Be stronger yeah. okay and and yeah, I gu- Kevin, I guess I guess this does have uh, I was surprised to look at the voice cast and see that these are like uh, real <laughs> real voice actors it's it's a whole
2: bunch of ocean group guys, so if you uh watch the original Dragon Ball Z dub or Inuyasha or something like that, you're gonna recognize a bunch of them,
0: yeah okay, so um. So uh so yeah I, I mean as the person that's watched all 40 some uh episodes of this I mean just what you know what what's your takeaway what is would you recommend this
2: It was you know it was fine it's not something that you necessarily have to uh, have to um seek out in the same way that you do need to seek out godzilla the series and if you haven't watched godzilla the series shame on you but um
0: yes please this is
2: this is one of those like oh yeah that was that was a fun diversion to to kind of uh to watch through and you know I, i i like that there's this kind of different take on it and i think i think this overall is probably my favorite um king kong TV program. I mean, there's not, not a big pool there, but, you know, I like it more than the than the King Kong show and definitely more than King of the Apes. Okay. So.
0: Um.
3: Yeah, I mean, I just just throw in, I mean, I I have the box set for this because I bought it at some point when I found it at a store for like two bucks, um, but I, and I haven't watched this in a long time. Kevin's definitely watched this much more recently than I have, but I will say that if you're the kind of, of kaiju fan or giant monster fan where you're just like, Boy, I wish there was a show where, you know, Kong just fought a different weird monster every week, like dinosaur people and dragons and the Yeti and Nessie and Wendigos and two headed German Shepherds and whatever you we want. This is the show for you because that's what this show is all about so
0: yeah i, I, yeah, was I know a
3: at... lot
2: of kong fans really don't like it but um i'm i, I question them
0: I, I was looking at some reviews online and um the the big the biggest takeaway i got from just the series as a whole is that it's kind of a mixed bag like way more of a mixed bag than like godzilla the series um so i don't know i mean between watching the two episodes and these two movies i don't know that it's something that you know, I I would go back to and, and watch the rest these, of it. These movies I,
2: aren't a good. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah,
0: okay. You know, I mean, I have a, a sample for it that, you know, whatever. Um, but anyway, yes, on with the show here. We got Kong King of Atlantis made uh, years after the sh- the show ended. Um, in 2005, gee, what a coincidence. Um, and, uh this is where, so, uh, oh, I guess, this is, this is insane. Um, I guess I'll kind of do my best to give the, the idea here. Um, but, uh, the lunar cycle, or whatever, is at a certain place that has indicated that the, uh, that the sunken city of Atlantis will reemerge out of the depths, and, uh, because of that, um, uh, the, their society of, of, uh, reptile people, um, are coming for Kong because he is the rightful ruler to the Atlantean throne. Um, so Queen Reptilia, uh, uh, which I can't imagine how long it took them to come up with that name, um, she, uh, is, is trying to get Kong to take his place on the throne. And uh, she intends to do that with some sort of mind control. And she has uh, reptile dinosaur people. And she has uh, talking uh, fireflies that sing. And uh, they sing while they dress Kong up in this ceremonial uh, uh, um, gown. Um, if it sounds like I'm on PCP right now, I assure you this is all stuff that actually happens. Um, and uh, unlike the television series, they decided to make this a musical, so you're accompanied again by by songs that are are not very good. Um, but this this is a de- a, a trip into delirium. Um, if, if what I'm saying sounds crazy, it's probably crazier, uh, when you actually watch it. Um, so I mentioned Atlantis, and Kevin mentioned Atlantis, and, uh, in, in relation to the show, and, uh, well, I guess first of all, we, we should kind of get back to something Justin was talking about, um, and I haven't read the novelization, so I'm, I'm, ignorant of of these things but but justin did you say that atlantis is actually mentioned in the 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 novelization of king kong somewhere
3: so atlantis is not mentioned in the 1932 loveless novelization atlantis shows up in the um the 33 april 33 uh kingsley long uh adaptation that ran for like 37 installments in the London Daily Herald and, and long was a crime fiction writer um, and so as you, as you can imagine 37 installments um, they flesh out the story quite a bit um, so this is so yeah and one of the one of the interesting tidbits that they throw out there is this idea that yeah like Skull Island is supposed to be like the last remnant of Atlantis right like it's the only part that hasn't sunken beneath the waves and so there's this idea that like the the Skull Islanders are you know the remnants of of the Atlantean people possibly um and this yeah this doesn't make it into uh the 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 Loveless novelization or the 33 film except I mean in in a way in a way, it does because if you if you pay attention in the thirty three film, and I'm pretty sure this is also in the Loveless novelization, you know when Denham and and his crew they first come across the Skull Islanders, um, and they're looking at the wall, right? It's very clearly implied in their conversation that they don't believe the Skull Islanders built that wall, um, and that and uh, you know, Jack says something about. Um, oh, I'm trying to remember what it is now, but he basically says something about. You know, it's like, oh yeah, I've seen you know ruins, ancient ruins all around the world, and nobody knows who built them. And it, it very clearly seems to be kind of leaning in to you know what was at the time in the 1930s you know, this this very sort of still-in-vogue idea about, like, Atlantis and Lumeria and Mu and that there had been these lost continents with these advanced people on them. So I'm not surprised that it's in the long novelization. I do wonder if it was something that Denim... Or, sorry, not Denim. <laughs> uh, Marion C. Cooper was kicking Same around. Guy, really. That, yeah, right. <laughs> um, if that if it wasn't that Marion C. Cooper was kicking around as an idea... Um that just ultimately didn't get get worked in there. Um, you know, because he was he was into this kind of stuff. you know, I mean, after Kong, right? The next movie that he makes, if I'm not mistaken, is she based off of the H Reidegger Haggard story, which is all about that idea of like a lost technologically advanced civilization and that sort of stuff. So yeah, there's, there's there's a little bit of a precedent for this, and again, also just to, to note, it doesn't show up in the Peter Jackson film proper. You know, amazingly, that that movie's long enough. You think they'd have a room for a conversation about Atlantis, but um, it is in the uh, Weta or Weta Weta workshop book on Skull Island that was released to accompany the film and in uh, some of the special features like on the the collector's edition like blu-ray um there's some mentions of Atlantis so it's it's something that's kind of circulated in the kong lore but this film is the is the only thing i think that's ever really just exploited that yeah. so
0: and uh willis o'brien um i think between i think between lost world and king kong maybe uh it's been it's been a while since i i i researched any of this stuff but regardless willis o'brien did very much want to do uh a movie about atlantis which like every willis o'brien conceived idea never happened so um so okay kong king of atlantis uh this movie's crazy uh, like I said, you got you got uh, bad musical numbers. The first of which is simply two people singing to Kong uh, to make up his mind whether he's going to help <laughs> help uh, try to save Atlantis or not, um, and it it just goes full on nutso uh, from there. Like I said, there's singing fireflies. There's Kong wearing ceremonial clothing uh, that is being, like, measured and, and applied by, by singing fireflies, uh, there's, like, dinosaur people, it's all crazy, um, I, and the whole time I just felt like I, I was hallucinating, um, but, uh, I, the, the animation just is, is pretty much in line with, with the show, it's not great, it's not terrible, it just kind of looks cheap, Um, it's weird, I mean, the story, this, the, this, this story itself, and this script that they're using, it almost feels like it could be anything, you know, and they just, you know, can, any, an Atlantis thing, or whatever, and then they just crossed out a bunch of names, and put in Kong's name, and the characters from the show. Um, and, and from what I understand, uh, and this is where I'm gonna pivot to Kevin, the Atlantis in this movie is not, like, it, it, it's not consistent with the Atlantis lore, I guess, in, in the animated series, right? This is, a, is not as different.
2: Yeah, so, so I mean, in, in the show, there's an Atlantis that they have kind of, like, little flashbacks to, um, but it's a civilization that's gone, it's a civilization that is human or at least very humanoid. And then in this, like, all of a sudden, not only is Atlanta still around, but it's ruled by, like, reptites. And Kong is the king of them. And none of that is, is, <laughs> is from the show. And I, I think that part of what might be going on here is I know there was talk of doing uh, a direct-to-video feature when the show was on. Uh, that was, that was very, um, that, that was a thing that a lot of animated shows did. You know, if you think about like, uh, Batman had, uh, the, the sub zero movie with, with Mr. Freeze, for example. Um, so I think they plan to do that right away. And then the show didn't do very well on, on Fox kids. I think it only aired 13 episodes or something and then disappeared quickly to make room for anime. Um, and then the Peter Jackson movie happens, and I think they're trying to to cash in on this, and they bring this out and they dust it off. But you'll notice this movie has three writers credited, one of whom worked on the show. So I'm thinking that some significant retooling went on probably by people who either had not seen or did not care about the original series, and um, they kind of made it into something that they thought would be more commercially viable while still keeping so many of the elements of the show itself, which was just a bizarre decision because I think the people who hadn't seen the show are going to be like, well, what's, who are, who are these people? And the people that had seen it are going to be confused by all these inconsistencies. So (laughs) I, I don't know who, who is the target audience for this?
0: I don't know. I, I don't know. Um, uh, so, yeah, I, I, you know, I've, I guess I've just, I can't understate, or I can't overstate how bonkers this is, and, like, so, yeah, coming into this is, like, a newcomer with very little knowledge of the show, and just not really knowing what I was, the most I knew about it was, you know, the Kevin's blog entry on it from a few years ago, um, and it's just, I, I sat down and watched this, and it was just a continuous one WTF after another. Um, the experience of seeing that all unfold before me was, uh, something. Um, uh, I don't know that I would recommend this to really anybody, but as someone who kind of had to watch this for a podcast and not know what to expect, I'm not going to lie. It was it was a f- fun experience because it was like I can't predict what this it, I can't tell what where this is going. It was clearly made by maniacs and I hope they're all institutional in, in an institution by now cuz they're probably not safe to be around. Um uh but it, I no, this thing just kind of like smashed my brain up and and I didn't know what to do after that. Um uh so yeah I guess i'll let I'll let you guys kind of take the floor with how you thought of uh whatever this this thing is.
3: I had a question for Kevin because he mentioned like that one of the inconsistencies is that like in the show the atlantis was was like ruled by people, and in here it's like lizard people. But isn't there—refresh my memory—isn't there this weird, like, subplot element where, like, the lizard people in Atlantis are, like, involved in, like, some kind of race war with, like, regular humans?
2: Uh, well, the regular humans in this movie aren't that regular either. They're kind of like elves, so— (laughs)
3: <laughs> okay, there's, all right,
0: elves, there, here you go. But yeah, there is something like, yeah, there is a subplot where there's like two, there's like a good good Atlanteans and bad lizard people Atlanteans. And then it, it, all Kong has to do is turn a sundial back at the end to like undo everything. It's insane. <laughs> Matt, how do you feel about King of Atlantis? Uh,
1: not great. <laughs> Actually, i had a question for you kevin because like you watch the show for me i'm watching it and like it just it, it feels like okay this is a sort of normal show and then the, the music starts happening and i was like huh that threw me for a loop and by the way I, I watched this one with landon and uh it struggled to keep his attention and he's he'll pretty much watch most things um, that, oh so that's I how you know like you,
0: you done sure. you done screwed up <laughs>
1: But I, I was curious, Kevin, how you felt when the music started happening. Was that like out of a, a left field "what the you know WTF" kind of moment for you, or what?
2: Oh yeah, that, I mean that was that was completely, um, you know, the the TV show is not a musical, so I think somebody, probably some producer, was like, "Ah, oh, we're making a direct to video animated feature. Those have to be musicals." Or that's something.
0: one of the <laughs> most. Ba- that's the most bad. Out of a series of insane decisions, that's pro- one of the craziest is why anyone thought it needed to be a musical like wh- I, I i can't imagine why why i i think there's like thir-
1: <laughs> there's three so i think there's like three or four songs in this the first one is like as you said bird they're they're trying to convince kong to do something why is it a and song then one of them- it's it's it's, it's
2: great too because it's a there's a bear that is drowning in tar. And one one of them is, is singing, Kong, you got to come save Atlantis. And the other is singing, Kong, you should save that bear. And, you know, the time that it took them to sing the song, he could have just scooped the bear out of the tar.
3: And doesn't that bear, like, stick around as, like, their... Yeah,
0: it's like I, I, I a sidekick, almost.
3: There's
1: a subplot where, like, the bear finds its mother or something, is that? Yeah, the
0: and, the, and the mother bear is under mind control <laughs> from, from... Yes. The, uh,
1: look, I, if you can't hold, you know, a six-year-old's attention, you're you're doing something wrong. Now, I did laugh hysterically at the Firefly thing, only because not only are they singing, but they're, like, putting Kong in a row, Yeah, they're and dressing it's, it's, it's just, but, like, in the most bizarre color, it's just, like, purple and yellow, and, like, there's a whole thing about, he just has to sit on the throne, and then the serpents get to take over all of Atlantis, and it's just... It, I, I was I was bored, guys. I don't know. I, I was not I bored. in in his
0: reaction. I I, I I was not bored. My my mind was continuously just I in a in a state of like n- not knowing what to do. <laughs> that might be worse. Actually, <laughs> <laughs> like, I I like I still don't know how to re- how to I I still I'm I still don't know how to process it.
1: That's for, I'll, I mean I'll I, give it
2: points for ambition. Um and I, I appreciate you know the just the, the, the sheer craziness of you know the whole Atlantis plot and the, the dinosaur people and, and and things like that that you know this is this is uh this is a different take. If we were to do a, a Kong multiverse, this would be the, you know, Japanese Spider Man version of, of King Kong. Um but uh but the execution leaves so much to be desired you know the animation is ugly the songs are obnoxious yeah uh the humor doesn't work
0: no <laughs> uh no this this thing is crazy um justin uh, again i i uh i was nice enough not to demand that you watch this uh <laughs> from your memory <laughs> do you have any uh i guess anything to say about it
3: i mean i again i agree with with like the general sort of sentiment here which is that you know it's in in i i almost like so so to kind of kind of uh add a rejoinder to kevin's point right so you know we 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 said this about um you know like there, there's a virtue to trying to do something to trying to do something different right um but i think that maybe with this particular movie they take that a little bit too far you know where this is so this is so bizarre there are so many weird elements in here right whether it's you know, Atlantis or lizard people or elves or bear sidekicks or singing fireflies or dinosaur warriors. And even just the the gimmick from the television show, right, which was sort of fine as a as a part of the television show. But then when you add the idea that there's like this kid who merges with Kong to form like a super Kong. It's just it becomes so strange at a point that it's almost like it's unrecognizable as as a King Kong uh, iteration, and and you start wondering like, is this King Kong? Am I still watching King Kong just because this is a gorilla <laughs> and the name Kong is on it, or is this just is this some other bizarro, bizarro world? And like that's kind of my my uh, feelings about this. Is it's just like. It's it's so strange and it's so different that I almost feel like it's unrecognizable.
0: I'm sure Universal Pictures would tell you this is not King, not a, the real King talk so. uh. Oh yeah, I mean, if going back to
3: our conversation at the top, I think I, this, you know, I'm sure maybe Universal watched this movie and we're just like, we can't, we can't take them to court. They didn't buy the Nintendo thing. They're never gonna buy this. What the hell? So...
1: Well, there's that whole thing with you mentioned it, but like there's a not only can he merge with Kong, but he can like give him a power boost, and I guess it makes him grow, so you get like what they call him Hyper Kong or like Super Saiyan Kong or something. It's it's crazy. At least you do get some dinosaurs that he fights, and there's a bunch of them. It kind of reminded me of like the the Dino Riders thing. I think the dinosaurs had like cyborg
3: dinosaurs. Yeah.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Um. All right. Well, how many? Uh, Not the last
3: s- time you're gonna say that phrase tonight.
0: <laughs> how many um, singing fireflies do you give this out of five?
1: I think I'm the lowest. I'll go first. I, I gave it a one. It's I, if if I thought that uh, being different were as much of a virtue as maybe Justin, I might have been a little bit nicer to it. But like I. I I struggled to watch it. Landon struggled to watch it. I think we had to sit through it a couple different times. So I'm out of one.
0: Okay, I guess I'll go next. Um, The experience itself, like I said, I'll never watch this again in my life. I'm I'm, I I feel pretty confident saying that. As some as just you know, okay, uh, this is basically a podcast assignment viewing, and not knowing what to get into the experience was fun. The experience is maybe like a 3. The movie itself is a mess, uh, and everything that everyone said is true. Um, it probably deserves a 1, but I bump, I can, I'm gonna bump it up about a half to a, a 1.5, just because of the sheer amount of WTF and just, you, you just, you know, feeling like I was on, on drugs. Um, uh, so that's where I am. It it It's not good, and I would not tell people to watch it, but it is, if you have to watch it, if someone, you know, kidnaps your family and tells you you have to watch this, you know, you'll, it, it, you could do worse, and I, I didn't hate myself for watching it, uh, so that's where I am. What about you guys? Yeah,
2: I would, um, I, I would give it a, a two inexplicable uh, romance subplots out of out of five, uh, referencing specifically the uh, the the ending where Tan leaves his like
0: barbarian. Oh yeah. What? Okay. Okay. Like, All right. <laughs> I forgot about that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. So <laughs> Tan, the the outdated surfer dude stereotype, he like for whatever reason. Uh, I mean, he, you know, he, you know, whatever, he, he's just being, like, a dumb guy, and he thinks, like, the girl's hot or whatever, so, like, but for whatever reason, the, 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 the the movie, like, tries to sell us on the idea that he actually has, like, an emotional connection to the, I guess, the, 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 the good, uh, female atlantean or whatever and they barely interact and then at the end they're like super like sad to leave each other and like she's like i'll never forget you or something and it's like what so yes that is a good grading rubric i approve of it um and yeah there's no way i would have remembered that if (laughs) you didn't say that um justin (laughs) from from memory (laughs) what would you grade this
3: I, I think I think you have a good point there, Kyle, which is, you know, like, I almost want to take a, a page out of, like, another, like, favorite podcast of mine, which is the show In Research Of, where they review the old Leonard Nimoy TV series In Search Of. And every episode, they give it a rating based on how entertaining it is, but also a rating based on just how, like, whacked out weird it is. And so it's like on an on an entertainment level, you know, in terms of, of being watchable and something that I would enjoy and want to watch again. Yeah, this is like this is like one singing Firefly. Um, so, you know, I, I, I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't ever want to watch this of my own volition. Um, but, you know, and if if somebody was like, you know, you know, well, you know show me the most whacked out king kong thing that you know of that's that's a film then i would have to show them this because this is this is like five singing fireflies. oh yeah in in terms in
0: terms of insanity this makes king kong escapes look like a like grounded humanist drama (laughs)
3: <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So uh, so yeah, so those are like my two those are my two scores based on two different criteria. You know, so yeah, if you want if you want, you know, wacky to the point of deliriousness, this is your movie. Um if that's not what you're in for, uh don't don't watch this. Never watch this.
0: Okay. So, we're going to bring the pain now. Cuz we're going to go to 2007 where for some reason, BKN, those, those maniacs, decided to do another one. From what I understand, uh, this Kong Return to the Jungle was supposed to be some sort of backdoor pilot into a sequel series to Kong the Animated Series, which mercifully never happened uh, I, and I, whoever prevented that decision, uh, thank you, if you're listening, because this is, like, oh my god, like, I, I I was messaging you guys, like, this is not much longer than any of these other things, it's an hour and 15 or something, I think, um, but I, this took me, this took me five days to get through <laughs> This is probably the shortest movie that it's ever that has ever taken me so long to watch um it it was just i, I it it looks unfinished um I mean I understand this is probably pretty low budget um they're working with two thousand seven uh, rendering, uh, well, I should mention that they, they make the switch to CG here, and, like, uh, geez, like, uh, after watching this, it's like, you know, I've been so hard on, like, polygon pictures, you know, for their character models, and, and I, I, I like, I feel like I owe every, everything I've criticize everything I've ever criticized for having, like, bad animation or lazy rendering, like, I have to apologize after seeing Kong Return to the Jungle, because my mouth was consistently on the floor at just how bad it was, how ugly the animation was, how horribly everything moved, how the, the, the environments are like... They're like PlayStation 1 level of detail. Like, the buildings are just, like, blocks with... Different colored squares, uh, in like on them. Like the streets are 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 just. A, it's just a solid blue ground, you know. Instead of like, there's no concrete, no <laughs> no driving lanes. It's just a solid blue. Like it, it, it looks like uh, an early uh, a video game that was made with early CG technology, and and it's just. I, it's mind-boggling that they anyone looked at this and thought it was even releasable, in my opinion. And, I, I mean, people that uh, listen to the show a lot, you know, they, they know that I, I don't get too... I try not to get too hung up on aesthetic things. You know, that's why, like, if there's a shitty Godzilla suit, I'm like, okay, whatever. You know, is the movie good? Um and I, I think a lot of that comes from, like, growing up watching low-budget movies, movies made on cheap film stock, and movies with horrible special effects. I mean, uh, that's stuff that I love. I'm used to it. And so I try not to let uh, that get in the way when I watch anything, but this movie just hurt my eyes. It legitimately <laughs> was hard to look at, um, I, guess I mean, I as far think.
3: as the animation and it goes, I mean, and, and I don't know, I mean, cause this might be asking, asking people to, to draw on a lot here, but it's like, I mean, I'm, I'm really looking at, at parts of it and it's like, you know, this is 2007 and I'm a little bit reminded of, you know, so in, in 2003, you had, um, that, uh, that Spider-Man right, right, right. animated series on on MTV, where it was Neil Patrick Harris playing Peter Parker, which was supposed to be like a tie-in to the um, Sam Raimi films, and it I I have similar memories of trying to watch that when it came out, where it's this same kind of like really bad early like cell shading animation, and that show also, if I remember right, was like a dismal. Failure for for MTV and Marvel and Sony yeah. early on, like it lasted like twelve episodes and then got got canceled and and possibly because of the same sort of thing. So you know, I I, I don't think it's crazy that they they thought to try this kind of animation, um, but I'm not the least bit surprised that it was not successful.
0: Um. So this one uh is a little more, I guess, probably traditional in terms of this iteration. It's not as wacky and out of just insane as is the Atlantis one. Uh so this one you have the return of Dr. Lorna, who is the villain from the animated series, and he uh makes a deal with um uh this hunter guy uh to not only go to the island and bring kong back but also all the dinosaurs and so he th- so um the other guy uh backstabs him and opens up this like Jurassic Park kind of zoo with kong and these dinosaurs and they end up breaking loose and um there's dinosaurs running around and and you know kong's running around and uh, the the there's evil henchmen dressed like stormtroopers. Uh, this also gives you kind of like I I didn't watch the series, but this kind of gives you context for I guess the backstory of you know this Kong being cloned and how he and uh, the protagonist are raised as brothers. And uh, um, instead of denim and like a movie crew or whatever going to the island, um, it was like a group of. Uh, a group of people, and uh, there's a flashback, and it's like way different from you know the 33 movie. Kevin, is this the first time any of that was said or shown uh, in in this, I guess, version of, of That stuff?
2: Is all in the uh, in the TV series?
0: Okay, okay. So this is uh, you know, I guess catching up, noobs like myself, because um, that wasn't there. There wasn't so much of that in the first two episodes that I watched. And
2: I, I, uh, I, I do they not like have the whole thing with the you know kind of explaining that Kong was cloned and the yeah but Kong this had died? Yeah,
0: this has a flashback to like their original Kong Island expedition. Yeah, I don't. And, I, don't and stuff. I don't know
2: that they actually show all of that. I yeah, think
0: that it's kind of, like, yeah. So so this kind of gets into that a little bit. Um, really, that's all there is to it as a story. Like it's much less convoluted and crazy than the other one. Um... And honestly, like I, I I feel like honestly like if this was just like animated normally, I might even think it's like I might be able to come around to it, but like I this is like one of the rare instances where just like the aset- the visual aesthetic of something just completely I, I just i it, I could never get used to it. It could never click it never clicked with me. It completely turned me off. Um, so much that, like, I remember more of that just from, like, the horrible images <laughs> being burnt into my brain that I, than I that I remember of the actual story. Once again, it's a musical. Um, from what I remember, this probably has the worst songs of all the musicals we've watched. There's one especially horrible number that is towards the end, and I don't remember any... I, I think my brain, like, was like, okay, if we process this song like, you're gonna be, like, lobotomized, so it, my brain, like, <laughs> protected me from remembering it, I just remember, I was watching it, I'm one of those people that, you know, just, because there's background noise and stuff in, in, in my place, like, I, I watch things with the captions on, and I just remember listening to that song, and, like, seeing the lyrics, and being like, this is the worst, this is the worst song I've ever heard in my life, and and my, my I, but I don't remember any specifics about it, do any of you know what I'm talking about?
2: Is that the motorcycle song?
0: I think so. Yeah.
2: Yeah, that's got to be it. What,
0: do you I'll, know I'll what, do, what? What? Do you know why I would think it was so cringy? Because I, like I said, my brain there's protected like a, me. Ch- there's like a chase
1: scene or something, and it's, it's very inexplicable.
0: It's it's bad. But. but like, I mean in,
2: in all of the cases in this movie it's never the characters singing it's just there's there's songs about kong that are playing in the background which is kind of preferable to the way that the last yeah. movie did it but it's also um, weird though
0: i just remember the lyrics to this one being especially bad um but it's, since no but since it sounds like we all had the collective experience of you know uh our our you know the, the our our consciousness protecting us from it you know we will move on um like I said I mean as is a Saturday morning kind of adventure story I it's probably acceptable but for me I just I, I I could not hang with this at all like I said it took me five days to watch this um so yeah are you, that, are you
3: talking about, I'm looking at this right now Kyle are you talking about the song at the end where they're rounding up all of like the dinosaurs that are loose in the city because this this song is is like really bad I feel like yeah we should, that's I that's honestly, it like, need to, you need to you need to pull this out and add it into the audio for this yeah, episode maybe
0: yeah maybe I'll uh, <laughs> yeah maybe I'll yeah maybe I'll literally I'll, I'll, uh, yeah yeah maybe like I'll, I'll pull like, the audio hiding, and I'll, I'll 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 put the audio in to to play us out of this episode because it's it yeah no it's terrible oh yeah um but yeah I don't how I mean I've I've pretty much said my piece so I'll, I'll let you guys run away with it I mean how how did you guys handle Return to the Jungle.
2: Uh, Like you said, it looks like a nightmare. There's, um, I mean, for 2007, even you know these are graphics that could be done by children on (laughs) on not that great computers. Um, And there's lots of like very, you see mistakes like clipping where you know one person's you know limb will go through another person. (laughs) Uh, it looks like it was animated in widescreen and cropped down to full screen as another thing I noticed while I was watching it um, because there's there's places where the framing doesn't work or you get that thing where the camera sort of pans back and forth between two characters to have a conversation when they were clearly just supposed to be like sitting on opposite sides of the screen. Um, it's, uh, I, like, like you said, I don't understand why they, they looked at this and thought, yeah, sure. This is commercially acceptable. <laughs> uh, there's like, what's uh, really there's like strange? Explosions. Ahead, what's stranger that. than that is this is the movie that's included with the the animated series box set, not the other movie.
0: Which they like they, they were probably. That... I mean, they, I would imagine they were released by the same label or whatever, right?
2: Yeah, so I don't I don't know why they would be split up that way. Um,
0: is that so, true?
3: I don't remember that about the... I know I have all of these. I don't remember that about the box set, that it was separate.
2: Yeah, the, the box set has the two volumes of the TV series and Return to the Jungle, but it doesn't
3: have King of Atlantis. They were even embarrassed of that. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's like, there's like
1: explosions that happen in this, and it's like somebody's like, hey, let's make that look like Minecraft for whatever reason. They're just blocks that blow up on the screen. There's no texture there's it's it's truly bizarre
2: yeah I mean Justin you were comparing it to the to the 2003 Spider-Man I'll compare it to the, the way the CGI looks in the 1993 Spider-Man
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah like how they'd have him like, sw- like whenever he'd like swing through the city it would like go to like a CG city right
2: yeah exactly Uh Fair. in retrospect this is kind of a beta version of King of the Apes though
0: yeah. Um that is true. Alright, so uh uh Matt, how did how did you handle this?
1: I I mean it's on par with how I felt about the Mighty Kong and that I it's 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 bad. I, I don't the thing is like it's it's very not memorable. And I also think that my brain shut down part part of the way through, and just like I, I'm just I'm on an autopilot, so I don't remember much about it at this point. I just watched it recently, um, but the the animation really takes you out of it. It's very very choppy. Um, I I struggled to like keep. I, I think at one point I dozed off. So I mean, it's just doesn't keep your attention. Doesn't really add anything to Kong at all. It, it's very. It's just bad, and then you add the the music to it, and it just it's even worse. All
0: right,
2: Justin, if you it's if supposed you, to be returning to the jungle in this, yeah,
0: why is it called that? Return,
2: hmm?
1: the, the concrete is it the concrete jungle? Is that what they're trying to
3: represent? <laughs> Isn't it that they have to round up all the dinosaurs in Kong and bring them back to the jungle at the end?
0: <laughs> yeah, what? I, that's weird. Be. Um. All right, Justin, I, I if you can muster any memory of this. Uh, <laughs> I guess. Uh, what? Where? Where do you com- Where would you come down?
3: What, what's our rubric for this one? Oh, okay. Yeah, ra- yeah.
0: We, we, we yeah. We, you can lead us off in the ratings. How many? Um. Oh, jeez. Uh, how many? Um. How many? T- uh, Nineteen ninety-three CGI buildings. Do you give this? Out of five.
3: Um I would g- I give this I don't know, I feel I feel like this is the one. So I gave I gave one Ooga Booga and one uh Firefly for the other two. And I kind of want to say one CGI building for this as well, but I agree with you guys that the animation in this is so is so bad compared to to the even the other stuff right where the animation isn't great so i feel like this has to be my one i've got i've got to cut that building down to, to this half it's half a cgi building from
0: 1993 okay uh jeez um letterbox doesn't allow zero rating so on there i gave it a half <laughs> and uh but for this like I'm going to have to, the, the nicest thing I can say is that if it didn't look the way it looks, it might be a little bit more, it might be easy, it might be I'm, something that I could stomach. But, uh, you know, I'm going to be bold, as bold as these guys are in continuing to make uh, King Kong properties <laughs> from very narrow legal loopholes, I'm, I'm going to be as bold as them in giving this, I, I have to give this uh, the very rare zero out of 5. <laughs> Matt, where are well, you?
1: It I I gave it a half, I suppose. Man, you, <laughs> it it is worse than the Mighty Kong I think I enjoyed. I I don't know. They they I'm I'm struggling to rate how low I can go on this. Like I'd probably give it uh also I, I'm going to go
0: 0. Screw it! It's a
1: zero.
0: <laughs> <You can't. laughs> All, right. All right. right, Kevin, where where are you on your?
2: Okay, I'm I'm not as harsh as as y'all again, again, not because I love this, but because I can imagine it being
0: worse. See that I, okay, yeah, I'll just let you have that. Okay, uh, <laughs> where, where, so, where do you put this? I'm,
2: I'm gonna I'm gonna go with uh, a case of out of. Uh, I'm going to go with one police officer using a newspaper as a photo ID out of five. <laughs> what,
0: is, what is something that you would give, like, a zero to?
2: Uh, it, would, it would have to, you know, like, fundamentally, like, it would have to be both technically poor and morally abhorrent at the same time. Can you, get, like, can you
0: think of an example of something that you hate that much that you would do that?
2: Uh. Well, I I'm going to make enemies if I if I start saying right, saying right. things. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay. Um okay, well we'll move on. And and I I do want to kind of add a caveat that like I always try to find something nice to say even if it's like one thing. And I just, I, I struggled there, man. Um, it, but I, especially with, like, kids' movies, like, and I think Matt and I kind of talked about this, uh, pro- I think probably when we did the Mothra trilogy, is, like, re-watching them as adults with children. Um, like, I always kind of try to grade stuff for kids on a little more of a curve, even. Um, uh, just... Uh, because I I realized, you know, I am literally sitting down watching something that is not for me. Um, and with all that given, all that being said, all these things that we've talked about so far are horrible. Um, all right. So, um, we are going to go into 2016, uh, where once again, it's, uh, 41 Entertainment and BKN. They just won't, leave this poor ape alone and they're like oh you didn't think we were shitty before well this time we have Avi Arad with us <laughs> <laughs> aviarad uh is uh for those who don't know he he's a, a, a he was um the the guy in charge at marvel entertainment for a very long time and he pretty much all the bad marvel movies you remember from like the 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 90s and 2000s and uh early 2010s even um he's like single-handedly responsible for if you google image search him he usually looks like uh he like raided a like a, a, a a kid's closet and, like, put on all his Spider-Man gear, <laughs> he's got, like, he's just wearing, like, hats and t-shirts and rings and necklaces and stuff, he's, like, a, wa- he, he, for a long time, he was, like, a m- walking Marvel merchandise, uh, advertisement, uh, anyway, so his production company teams up with, with, uh, the, um, the maniacs responsible for the last two entries and uh for a new animated series that would be uh, exclusively on Netflix that is Kong King of the Apes um and uh this lasted two seasons i think 26 uh is it 26 episodes um and uh, 23 episodes. Anyway, um, once again, this is a CG uh, animated series. Um, carries over a lot of writers and, uh, and folks from Kong the Animated Series. Um, and uh, the idea behind this one is uh, once again, we're working with a clone of Kong. Um, uh, it, only this is like, I think, the year 2030 or something. It's the future. And uh, this, this scientist who is into, uh, he, he's, he makes, uh, you know, bionic parts uh, for animals. Uh, he, um, uh, him and his family, they rescue the baby Kong from uh, these poachers. And they decide to raise him uh, in their uh, advanced robot lab. Um, and uh, the one kid uh, is really attached to Kong. Um, I believe that's Lucas, and then, uh, the other kid, uh, his brother, um, uh, Richard, I think he's the, the villainous one, but he, he hates Kong, he's jealous of, uh, how much everyone else in the family loves him, uh, and he also loves dinosaurs, and his dream is to make, like, robotic, uh, genetically engineered dinosaurs, um, and, uh, their dad dies uh so the, then we flash forward and everyone's older and uh their dad dies and they both own this genetics robotics company and uh the one brother wants to use it to make uh uh uh, horrible mechanical bio weapon dinosaurs and the other one wants to use it for good and uh, the mean brother is always trying to make Kong look bad and kill him and do all these other things. So uh, we are talking about the first episode, which is a feature-length uh, movie, basically. It's, it's kind of the, the pilot, sort of what the, uh, the Star Wars Clone Wars animated movie was, um, how that was like basically the pilot to that series um so i actually haven't watched anything further than that so i I know it's supposed to get crazier with people going to space and kong with jetpacks and and all kinds of loony loony stuff um but i only have the experience of watching that that feature length uh first episode um uh where yeah you know he he's trying to kong is being framed for for things and it's mostly like about the the tension between (laughs) this family and this uh giant ape um so that's uh kong king of the apes has anyone why what who here has watched the most of this series i've only watched this i'm pretty sure matt's only watched this between kevin and justin how much of this have you guys watched
3: (laughs)
2: justin how much have you seen
3: um i have seen i have seen this for this podcast and that's it
2: okay so so i'm the odd man out who who's (laughs) watched half of it i guess
0: okay so you 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 watched the you, you you gave up after the first season you didn't go into the second one
2: yeah, it's it's an incredibly frustrating show because there's so much potential where you can see, like, okay, this is how this could be good if they didn't insist on writing it for three-year-olds.
0: You know, I was actually going to—well, I guess I, maybe I'm getting ahead of myself, but something that I was going to say is maybe it's just because I watched it so quick after Return to the Jungle and I've heard nothing but bad things about it. And um, I believe you, you know, I, and I'm sure the series probably gets worse, but just this little hour and a half pilot, um, you know, I watched it with with my daughter. She's six, and she like really liked it, and and I and so much that she wants to watch more. And I'm kind of like worried, <laughs> um, but you know, it actually was kind of nice to like explain to her like what King Kong was and see her kind of get invested in this. Um, and, uh, so maybe, maybe there was a little bit of, like, vi- like, something vicarious going on with, with watching it with her, but I walked away from it thinking, like, I, it's not good, and I'm, and, you know, I'm not gonna pretend it's good or, or, anything like that, but I will say I, I did, I was expecting this to be, like, another return to the jungle, like, please put me out of my misery any second, but I really didn't feel that way. I, 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 I was... I I I was charmed by by my my child's reaction to it and uh overall I thought it just was kind of a little bit tighter in terms of storytelling if, than what I'd seen from the the previous animated series. So I, you know, I didn't walk away hating it. I I walked away thinking like okay, that was bad, but like Kevin has been saying like I can imagine way worse, and and from what Kevin's saying, I imagine the series gets much worse. Uh, the fact that Kevin, of all people, the one guy I know that watches like everything, like the fact that he didn't want to do the second season says a lot to me. But but yeah, just sticking to this little pilot though, I was like, huh, you know, it, it clearly worked for the intended audience, which is like probably honestly like three to seven, and I saw that in effect. And um, and and kind of piggybacking off what Kevin said, like I do see, I just from this, I, I I was thinking like, oh, like I can see how this can be interest an interesting series, you know, if they continue along the, this trajectory of these you know these feuding brothers with this company and you know how to how to integrate Kong into it, but uh, it sounds like from what Kevin is saying, it just is. is it gets horrible but yeah that was my takeaway was like i guess like i said i'm not gonna say it's good but i i I guess i was sort of pleasantly surprised that it didn't like make me want to die i guess that's that was my uh, that's that's how i felt about it i mean it
2: it does feel a lot better having having watched uh return to the jungle uh in in close proximity i will say that much (laughs)
1: I feel like the bar is set for birds so low because it's like, well, if it doesn't kill me, then it has to be worth worth a little bit of something.
0: Yeah, I wasn't I, on life support the whole time.
1: I, I'm a bit sad to hear that. Um, for for Kevin, like the he you know, like I watched this, I actually enjoyed it a, a pretty good amount, and and there is like you can see they have a lot of interesting ideas, and like you have all the different dinosaurs, and you have this conflict set up between the clearly you know evil mastermind kind of person like there's there's a lot of interesting ideas and i can see why it would be great for kids and i i mean i had a pretty decent fun time watching it it makes me upset to hear kevin say that like it just it gets more frustrating probably because it has so much potential and just doesn't live up to it because it's got some really cool ideas going for it
0: so so yeah hearing i guess it doesn't quite pay off i mean Kev, i mean it's i know it's been some years but you know kevin is is that can you maybe like elaborate on that statement a little more i know you definitely said that having having to uh, appeal to such a young audience kind of gets in the way of of some of the better ideas
2: yeah so there's there's a lot of um there's a lot of repetition from episode to episode, and a lot of the things are very kind of simplistically uh, presented. So um, a lot of it just turns it. It boils down to you know animals are good, people who are bad want to hurt animals because they are bad, <laughs> and um, you know it. It goes out of its way to make sure that there's that there's nothing um, sympathetic with with the uh, you know Richard's point of view, which I think given that you have these two twins that are on opposite sides of an ideology, I think it would be really interesting to kind of play, play both of them instead of making it a uh, straight up black and white. Um, but instead Richard is like a, a multimillionaire who employs poachers because I guess <laughs> um, there's a, he has a, he has a, a robot sidekick who's also kind of a, a fun character, but is very openly mutinous and, and lots of episodes kind of end on a, like implying that she's going to rebel against him and take over his company or something like that. And then she just never does. And it just resets for the next episode. And it reminds me of, you know, when, when you look at like the eighties transformers, like how Starscream is just openly mutinous and nobody seems to care. <laughs> so
3: things, I, things I, like that. Since I don't think anybody here cares about spoilers. Um, so I do I do know uh from the the blog astounding beyond belief because they watched the whole series that in the second season the the gynoid character does apparently like like finally yeah makes good on that Kevin so
0: I'm seeing there's an episode uh about um uh Botila the 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 robot assistant called uh botila zilla where they put her brain into a t-rex or something (laughs) do you have any recollection of that
2: i i vaguely remember that uh and i mean she was a great character again lots of good voice acting performances in the show lots of great character design um like in in terms of like of all of the shows like the one that I would want the most to kind of like do fan art for would, would be this one, especially with all of the, like, you know, the robot dinosaurs. Kong himself is like a little, a little too cuddly. Um, there's, there's sort of nothing, none of that, like, you know, primal savagery that you're used to seeing with Kong. This is, Definitely, this is yeah. you know, a fuzzball version.
0: He looks like um, an Ardman animation, like version of an ape. <laughs> yeah. Um,
3: Oh my god, that's such a good description.
0: I, I
2: I was kind of curious about um, it's it's funny if you look at the um like the Wikipedia page, uh for for this for the series you know kind of um because you know Arad Animation is is credited at the top and then Forty One Entertainment and then OLM and like well this doesn't seem like an OLM thing and then Sprite Animation Studios is, is credited after them but I look you know I sort of went through the the animation credits on Netflix which weren't copied over into the IMDb entry, uh, and kind of went through those folks. And it looked like it was a lot of Sprite animation folks who uh, I think o- their only real big um, thing that people would know is the the Pokemon, um, the, the CGI remake of Mewtwo Strikes Back. So,
0: well, yeah, I was going to um, say, this is a Japanese co-production, and I see as far as uh, the directors go, it's mostly um japanese uh folks here
2: yeah well you you have a bunch of of japanese folks and then a bunch of hawaiian folks who may or may not be japanese (laughs) that's that gets a little uh a little hard to tell sometimes from just looking at at names but um they do they do seem to have multiple um there's a multinational component to that
0: um, I don't know if it's in the, I'm I'm just, like, looking at, like, Google image search, and I don't know, maybe this is in the second season, but I'm looking at a thumbnail of, like, Kong and, like, a bunch of other apes that it, I, I, I did we get to a place where there's other Kongs or something? I think that's second season. Alright, well, the, the thumbnail is disturbing, and, uh... Uh, I don't like it.
3: I've I've seen that same image and yeah I'm I'm very confused. I can't yeah, help but be curious. Like like, I know there's like there looks like there's like a Kong like I don't know if it's, this would be like Kong's mom or something it's like there's a beat wearing a ape I don't know. and like yeah I, I don't <laughs> I
0: I don't plan on watching this but I I feel like I should I'm determined to I'm gonna get to the bottom of this. Your
3: daughter might not give you a choice.
0: Oh yeah I know yeah yeah. <laughs> Uh um, bird.
2: bird gets uh, gets bullied into watching this then we're going to have to get <laughs> a full report back.
0: Yeah, I, I, I yeah, if 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 I get that far, I will I will keep people updated. Um but no, I guess, you know, considering the target audience, I can totally see how some of the, you know, the more interesting ideas and concepts, you know, end up well it sounds like they they kind of get you know put in the back seat for you know low low hanging fruit i guess is what i would say
2: i mean we have we have uh multiple cute animal mascots to play around with so you know
0: did so uh did you get to the one where he goes to space is that all season two is all is that all season two
2: uh yeah that might i i think maybe uh it It's been a long time okay so okay, okay. I, well I, it sounds like if season you were two. To tell me you I saw the episode where he went to space, I would believe you okay <laughs> you remember a jetpack
0: yeah, yeah well it it so- I don't know maybe it sounds like season two just didn't give a shit <laughs> and just went insane um uh wow, okay, um, but no, i mean i i I didn't hate this um. And you know it was it was delightful to watch a you know w- w- from something I'm interested in, which is you know Kong, you know intersecting with some something that you know a, my six year old could watch. You know, I, I, she she likes kaiju stuff in doses, but you know it's a hard sell. You know, it's not like Matt where he has a little boy running around that just instinctively <laughs> loves this stuff. Um, <laughs> Matt, did you happen to watch this with? with your 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 offspring
1: I I might go back and actually watch it with him but no he So <coughs> he you, wasn't home when you I, you I had to pu- watch You put him through you
0: put him through King of Atlantis and not this which he would probably I'm a bad parent. Yeah, which he would probably find more enjoyable. Honestly, I yeah. I think he would probably like this more. Um all right. Well, yeah. I mean, it, it really it is a shame to hear that you know you know this doesn't stick the landing because you know while this isn't made for me you know I'm thirty years above the target audience and um, you know it, it is a it, it is a shame to to see you know you know being curious about oh where this story does kind of have potential just to hear that you know it doesn't stick the landing is is a bit of of, of, a, of a shame. Um,
3: but, I'm looking through my Netflix thing right now, and I actually apparently at some point watched that Botilla Zilla episode that you mentioned, and it has been completely erased from it's my mind.
0: Funny how, it's funny how you guys that watched that episode, it, it's obviously a Godzilla like homage, and you have no memory of it. <laughs>
2: Um, well, I think it's it's just her in a in a in,
0: in a T Rex, right? Bar, yeah. yeah, yeah. Which, you know, it's, you
2: know.
3: So it's a it's a Tammy and the T Rex homage. Oh Very yeah! Wow. There you go. Show.
0: Oh, I would love it if you know someone that worked on this show came out and said that they <laughs> they wanted to <laughs> pay tribute to Tammy and the T Rex.
2: I mean, there's, there's people that. Yeah, you know, like I said, I was looking into the into the staff, and a lot of them have LinkedIn pages. You can just start messaging them
0: cold. Honestly, I was talking to Matt. I like I was talking like so little about even this, which is from twenty sixteen. Like so little actual information about like these the making of any of these animated shows is like there's like next to nothing out there. I was telling Matt like we should try and get some of these like get some of these people on here and like figure out what all this was about and you know absolutely yeah i i mean that sounds like something that we might try to reach out to some of these people um i mean we'll we'll talk to any of them but um so yeah i mean i i guess that you know we can we can wrap it up there uh you know it sounds like we've 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 said uh enough um on this uh but uh so i guess i'll start i mean um I, uh, um, like I said, I mean, actually getting to watch something monster related with, with my, my, my daughter was a lot of fun, and, uh, it, it certainly wasn't as bad as I was expecting, and, um, you know, of, of the four animated movies i guess that we're watching you know if we're you know referring to this first episode as a movie uh this was probably my favorite out of out of this bunch um i'm gonna give it a two you know it it still isn't good it still has its problems but you know it 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 works for its audience and you know it's not as confused about it doesn't at least from that hour and a half pilot it doesn't seem as confused about what it wants out of the audience um, and I, I felt like it was a, a little tighter less convoluted and um, uh, so yeah I mean I I, I didn't hate this and um, uh, if I manage to get through more of the series we'll see uh, how how it manages to you know how, where my tolerance shifts <laughs> but uh, yeah no I didn't hate this I, I give this two out of five um, uh bionic uh women with uh disturbing undercurrents with their uh in the relationship with their creator um where what about you guys
1: i'll go since (laughs) i was waiting for kevin or justin to say something um I like this. I think my letterbox, I gave it a two and a half for the, the sake of this show and kind of our audience. Like I, I think there's something to be said for just how the it, it, it's entertaining. I watched it, I enjoyed it. I think Landon would probably get a kick out of it. Um I love a lot of the concepts and ideas and again I think it sucks like that it sounds like they don't stick the landing, but I had fun with it, so I'm gonna go three. I think there's some fun concepts. I think the introduction of like this evil robots you know that's who's gonna betray your master is a kind of an interesting idea there's the different dinosaurs and i, I think like kong is sort of doofy as he looks he, it's i don't know i, I watched it and had fun and i can totally see why any kid watching it would have a blast and unfortunately for you Bert, i think uh you're gonna get sucked in before me to have to actually watch the whole <laughs> series
0: yeah right now i'm okay with it but i feel like the you know the the more it it fails to pay off. <laughs> I'll probably change my tune, but as of right now, the idea of watching more doesn't bother me. <laughs> you know, it's, I have to experience it first. But uh, yeah, no, I I agree. I, I think I think this is probably the one that's going to work the best for its intended audience. Um, Kevin, where are you now? Uh, just if you, if you had to dismiss this from the rest of the series, just this pilot is an isolated thing, like. Pretend nothing else came of this. It was uh, it was a, a, an attempt that never got off the ground. Uh, how would you rate it? And then versus how would you rate the series?
2: Ah, uh, gosh. I, I think overall, um, it, taking taking just the first episode in a vacuum, um, maybe maybe two and a half or, or three uh, versus like a two with with the series included, um, again, I, I I have a hard time because I feel like there's a lot of potential, especially like as you see, um, as you see the father character is kind of trying to like balance things out for both of his boys, and I feel like that's kind of um, what I want the series to do more, you know. But I I recognize that not everything can be a Cobra Kai uh, in terms of. You know, playing playing that both sides are against each other, but but not necessarily like a oh, uh, so and again, I'm I'm biased. I am a PhD in mechanical engineering, so I'm gonna be like, yeah, this guy that makes cool dinosaur robots, he seems all right to me. But the series is like, no, he's not all right. We're gonna make his <laughs> him as, as not as obnoxious as possible, so that you know that he's not all right um, because animals are good. So. Um, it's it's one of those cases where like that kind of like rubs me the wrong way, and uh, I have some have some qualms on on that front. Okay, was was that coherent? I, I felt like I was rambling.
3: Uh it's fine. We got that you like <laughs> robots and you hate animals.
0: Uh, <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> um, <laughs>
2: stupid monkey.
0: All right, Justin, where where are you on uh, on this one?
3: Um. Yeah. Again, I, I feel like this is, you know, this is one of those things where, um, you know, I've, I don't know. I just I've I was aware of it when it was it was announced and when it came out. And you know, despite my, you know, my professed love for King Kong, I just I never really cared about this that much. Like evidently, as I just rediscovered, I must have sat down at some point. And just watched that episode at random because it seemed to have a Godzilla connection, and then I just completely forgot about it. And uh, this is me, this is me coming back to it. And I don't have a, a, a small child to gauge their uh, enjoyment of it, but you know something—something something that I don't think we really talked about. And I—I I don't think any—I'm curious if any of you would dispute this. Um, out of all of these shows or all these these movies, this one has the best animation. So, like I think yeah. just overall, like it's actually very well animated.
0: Yeah, I um, can agree with that. You you can tell it's still like on the low budget end, but I I do think you're you're correct there.
3: Yeah, I mean, it, well, yeah, it's obviously. I mean, you know, it's it's low budget because it's a TV series and it's not from like a major studio, you know, but again it's not it's not really bad crude cGI like in return to the jungle um and it's not even you know like it's it's better than either of the traditionally like hand drawn animation things just in like the amount of of detail put into the, like, character designs and stuff. I mean, like, the dinosaurs are very well textured. The, like, giant robot squid that Kong fights at one point is very well rendered with lots of moving parts and flashing lights. And, you know, I mean, that could have been a much simpler, lazier design. And somebody clearly went to some sort of effort. So, you know, I would say on the basis of how well it's animated and that... Um, it it sounds like it was it it did a good job uh you know of, of entertaining its target demographic and that yeah i mean you know i know kevin said that it 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 doesn't it doesn't work in the long run with the series but i don't know i'm i'm a little i'm a little intrigued after watching this and especially with the the suggestion of how potentially also weird this one might get um I'm fine with yeah. So if it's out of, if it's out of five, I I say yeah five, um, you know uh, treacherous gynoid or, or three treacherous gynoids out of five. So
2: <laughs> I'll I'll back you up and and it's it uh, it does look a lot better than than even like uh, Netflix's Ultraman or Ghost in the Shell. Like uh, as as far as CG animations, um, it could it could do a lot worse.
3: Yeah, I mean, it looks better. It looks better than some other Netflix stuff. I mean, I I know uh, I feel like me and you have talked about this before, Kevin, but it's like, you know, I I'm I was always really pained by the fact that I really wanted to like, um, you know, the Netflix series uh, Troll Hunters because Guillermo del Toro was involved with that, and I just had a really hard time getting past how cheap I thought that CG animation looked. So.
2: Yeah, that that one doesn't really bother me. Um, I, th- I think the character designs might be off-putting, maybe, but uh, but definitely like some of the, especially the polygon picture stuff is real cheap, uh, and then some of the other, some of the other stuff that's on on Netflix also CG again like Ultraman. I know people like that show, but it looks not good.
0: Yeah. Hey, what's with when Lucas is like? you know after he rescues kong and he's like what do you want your name to be and he's like kong and then like he like doesn't like why 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 can he talk for that part it's with that
2: don't worry about it
0: <laughs> i'll take that i've been watching a lot of ultraman lately so most of the questions i have uh in relation to ultraman stuff that's usually the conclusion that i get to is don't worry about it um, all right, well, that wraps us up. On, uh, thank you, everyone, for, for staying with us for this journey through uh, all kinds of licensing madness and just really bizarre takes on King Kong. Um, so, you know, I, I guess uh, as far as um, kind of, sort of fake, but sort of not fake, but also not real king kong uh animated things if you have kids uh, i think check out king of the apes um everything else is kind of bleh but uh i think we're i think we're good here is anyone anyone uh have anything else speak now forever hold your peace
3: read the kong uh novelization if you haven't it's quite good the one from 1932 you can still buy it off of amazon it's still in print all right but does kong blows not onto anyone
0: yeah i I, one more thing when he blows snot i didn't know that was snot at first it like it looked like a waterfall was coming out of his face and i was like what is he supposed to be doing it was
2: two different movies that that happened (laughs)
0: uh all right okay well uh that wraps us up for animated kong stuff uh thank you guys uh kevin and justin thanks for joining us and um yeah we'll we'll see you next time
3: Pleasure. Nice to be here. Thanks. Got to
0: fight. Do what's right. say.